Blog Talk Radio.
was just ridiculous. You know? At one hand, like I said, he's saying, relax, calm down. I told you you can't do this. And then he's freaking out. Why haven't you stopped him already? Like It was just all sorts of stuff going on in that corner. And I really hope, I really hope Tiafima Lopez gets a, a new head trainer. You cannot have your father in this scenario. We know the father-son in boxing goes thick and through all this stuff. But even like, Look at Bill Haney and some of the stuff he says online. He still knows that he's not going to be the head trainer. You know? It it, it was bad. I mean, this is – I'm not going to say it was the worst corner I've ever seen because, you know, there's been a lot of bad corners. But this one was – it was – I felt really bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. Both of them have, have said a whole lot of stuff the last while now that was just like where are you at, dude? Like, it just, I don't know. There's just certain things like, and even after the fight, you know, to think that you won 10 to 2. Are you are you kidding me? Now, it was a competitive fight. This whole thing that, you know, Cambosis won 9 to 3 or something, I don't believe that either. It was a really competitive fight. Uh, and it was cool that Cambosis, you know, in Brooklyn, or in New York, I should say, at the theater, at, at the Garden, the Hulu Theater in Madison Square Garden, to be able to, you know, come in from not just out of town, but, you know, out of the country and get the decision. That was dope. I think that that's kind of getting lost a little bit in this stuff. But some of the stuff that they said after, the 10-2 to 2 stuff in, in the interview on Seconds Out, I'll play a clip of that. I mean – I don't, yeah, man, the, the, you can just tell the hype, the hype goes to your head when you, you do something great that happens. That's, you know, that's no big deal. It happens to a lot of people, but some of the things, like I mentioned him saying, you know, him and his father, this isn't just a junior, but both of them saying that they're going to do 2 million buys. I mean, for this fight or just any fight. Him and Gervonta went do two million buys. I mean, how many, what, one, two, three? I mean, there's been four fights in the history of boxing that have gone over two million. Like, And then he's talking about last June that he was going to bump Mayweather off his date and shit like that. Like, it's just ridiculous. And, and like I said, after the fight, delusional. Some of the things coming out of Senior's mouth and what he's worried about right now, it's just in the excuses piling up. And we remember both of them at the time for good reason, because Wilder had plenty of excuses too after that second fight. Well, like everybody else, they had plenty to say about that. But now look at them. They're bringing up, oh, dude, it was because we were on the stone. Oh, no, we were too loud. Oh, yeah, no, you know, it's just a bunch of dumb shit, to be honest with you. I mean, we're going to go over it. But anyway. I don't want to just talk about that because, let's be honest, we had another candidate for fight of the year right here, Fulton and Figueroa. Another competitive fight. I mean, really competitive. The scorecard's very close in that one in my eyes. Uh, I do want to see the rematch. I really do. I think that was a really fun fight. Figueroa, you know, as the fight wore on, 
started to kind of slow down. I don't know if slow down is the right term, but he definitely buzzed him and hurt him a little bit and started to take the fight over to where he could catch up because, you know, it did take him a little while to get going, which is no surprise, right? Um, We will talk about some undercard fights as well, but that was a great fight too. And now you look at Fulton, who did get the W. Um, He's had such a nice run. And we now know probably more than likely what his next fight's going to be because uh, Daniel Roman has been, uh, I think it was the WBC and the WBO. They, they, he was not, I think it was the, both those. He was number one, the number one ranked contender in both of them. So they did, did this joint mandatory, which, you know, makes a lot of sense in this scenario because, hey, it's a good, you know, it's a great, it's a solid fight. But you could see where it'd be a little shaky too. You know what I mean? I mean, these, these alphabetical ABC sanctioning belts, they're ridiculous. But we are going to recap that. Like I said, talk about some other card fights. And this is the beauty of it. It just keeps going. We've had such a run. Don't get me wrong. You know, parts of the summer, the, you know, late July, August, you know, it took us a while, September. It took us a while to kind of get back going. We had a nice year going in 2021. Then it kind of fell off with postponements and uh, people getting COVID and, you know, just fights falling apart. But then they... You know, they came back, and they were good fights, and we've had a plenty of fights of the years down the stretch. So it is really close and strong, and I say that because Gervonta Davis returns against Isaac uh, Cruz, and also Devin Haney, probably because JoJo's much fresher than Jorge Linares. Joseph Diaz Jr. is going to take on Devin Haney as well on Saturday. By the way, for those who don't realize it, the tank fight is Sunday night. Now, it does start an hour, hour early, so it's 7 o'clock Central instead of uh, 8, which is the normal pay-per-view time. Of course, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. I mean, they have college football and NFL to um, you know play a lot of commercials during. I don't know if it's going to be a lot, I should say. But it's going to be a little interesting because not only you know the Sunday night in the summer or the Sunday night in the spring or whatever, that makes sense to an extent, especially in the summer, right? But going head-to-head with football on Sunday night, that's kind of interesting. Now, who knows? Maybe there will be a blowout by the time they get there. We'll see. But we are going to talk about those fights um, the undercard for uh, Tank and Cruz, really good pay-per-view undercard on uh, on paper anyway. Um, and then, of course, we have some current fight news. We always close the show with a little boxer Twitter, you know, boxing Twitter segment where we read the tweets of the week and, and also some fanboy tweets. And, and also we got to look at the media, too, because sometimes they have the fanboy tweets as well. And... You know, there are some fights that might be in jeopardy. Pan just did a travel ban. So Golovkin, Murata, a couple other fights might be off, but maybe not, though. They may get that special, you know, exemption. 
because I believe that a fighter that's going to fight in Japan very soon actually just got there. So a lot of people just assume that two fights that they're looking forward to to close the year in Japan are not going to happen, and it might not be that cut and dry. Let's put it that way. But anyway, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You know, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and download the show directly there. Listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find the platform Rope Dope Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker. And a whole lot of other places. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live television and on demand. No annual contract. No hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees. And boxing fans, this might interest you. Well, first, Showtime's only $11 on this platform, but if you go all the way to the premiere, you get a free HBO Max and Showtime already included. That's direct TV stream. Okay, so before we go like too deep into <laughs> Teofimo Lopez and his father, and I don't want to take it out too much on Junior because he fought a hell of a fight. That wasn't the smartest fight, no. But he, he I mean, he was wary <laughs> there for a while. His eye was all messed up. So he did make a great run, and he showed a lot of heart. I mean, this whole 10-2 to 2 shit is just ridiculous, him saying that, you know, he won the fight 10-2. to 2. It's A lot of it has to do with his dad. You know, and some of the stuff that was coming out of his mouth, like I said, during the fight. During the fight, some of the stuff, it just blew me away. It just blew me away. I couldn't believe. He's going from, this dude's done. I mean, the first thing he said, hold on, didn't I just say that we're going to hold off on that? We're going to talk about the fight? Hang on. It just I couldn't believe his son just got knocked down, and the first thing he said was, he's done. I was just on the mat. What do you mean he's done? What are you talking about? Anyway, um, and Lopez, okay, this is part of it. This is before the fight. He says, you're scared, bro. He makes sure the mics can pick it up. You know when the ref is having him touch his gloves and he's saying, hey, we talked in the dressing room. I want to keep it fair and square and blah, 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 all that stuff before they actually ring the first bell. You got Lopez Sr. saying, he's scared, bro. You're scared. It's like, dude, he's in the ring, dude. What do you mean he's scared? He signed the contract. What are you talking about? He's scared, dude. It's just, oh, boy. But anyway, um, right away, Lopez came out gunning, winging these right uh, hands, trying to hit him with the left hook. And don't get me wrong, he landed, you know, Several big-ass right hands and left hooks, but he was also missing a lot. He was leaving his feet a lot. And, of course, we know he has he does have that little jump hook and all that and jump lead right, but he was missing pretty bad. And um, a clean right hand landed right on the button and just 
dropped him. And I know they said, ah, it was a flash knockdown. There wasn't much. It was a slip. I didn't look at that as a slip. I didn't look like he was super hurt, but I wouldn't call that just some kind of run-of-the-mill. Ah, that, that was barely. That was nothing. You know, that, that was bullshit. And since we're here, after the first round, before I go and play some other audio after the fight, I mean, this is literal. like, he literally, this is the words he chose to say right when his son just got knocked down. And by the way, that first round could have been 10-9, okay, Cambosis. A lot of people just automatically go 10-8. It didn't have to be. He won the round, no doubt. He landed the best punch. But he did get hit plenty in that first round, I do have to say. But the first thing he says is, he's done. Watch yourself. Take your time. The, the right hand is working, right? And then a split second later, he goes, finish him already. What the fuck's going on? These are literally what he says. And then he's like, all right, just relax. But that was an off-balance shot. You're not even hurt. It didn't do anything. Why don't you ask your son if he's okay? I'm not saying he was hurt. But to be like, dude, that was off-balance. You're not hurt. Why don't you ask him if he's okay? It just seemed like throughout this whole fight, I don't know, dude. It just I, it blew me away. But this is a, a little clip of what I'm talking about. He's done. I mean, how do you go from that to that? How do you be like, hey, man, you know, calm down a little bit. Everything, take your time. Everything's fine. Finish him already. What the, you know, like, dude, I mean, he was just all over the place. Man, and, and down the stretch of this fight, there's more to it, but we're going to get into actually talking about this fight. Now, like I said, credit to Lopez because he did start to land the better shots. I did give him the, the second and the third round. Um, I thought he closed stronger in that third round, landing you know several shots in a big, big right hand down the stretch, so he, he kind of stole the round. Um, that jab and the hooks. and You know, all the things, some of the fundamental things that we saw out of Tiafimo when he was going against Lomachenko, the jab to the stomach, and, you know, tracking his guy down, not necessarily just leaping for these major shots. Now, we know Cambosas isn't, you know, going in on the Lomachenko level, but still, dude, you got to take it serious. And he said this is personal. He didn't like this guy. Well, you could tell it was pretty personal in the ring. Now, Cambosis, though, after a couple rounds where I thought that he lost, credit to him because he started taking over the fight right here. I mean, the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, you could make an argument that those were all Cambosis' round. I'm not saying for sure, but the jabs, the left hook, you know, he was working the body as well. Whether it was a lead, right hand or a counter I mean he was doing his thing and he started fainting with the jab really well then landing the right hand behind it he was kind of minorly toying with him minorly there was uh, this I think right around the 6th or 7th is when Lopez's eye got cut that uppercut 
and a few other really big right hands in the seventh round. Like I said, you could make an argument from the fourth to the seventh, that was all Campos. So all of a sudden, he's got a pretty sizable lead. Now, credit to Lopez, because like I said, he, he didn't lay down. He didn't lay down at all. And you can make an argument, he won the eighth, he won the ninth, and he for sure won the tenth. And I thought he did a – I kind of thought he just – the late shots, he kind of stole some rounds in there. The eighth round I thought he stole. Then, you know, there's a lot of exchanges, by the way, through all this. Um, but it seemed like in the ninth he may have buzzed Cambosis with the lead right hand, more hooks as well. Then I think it was a right hand that did knock him down in that 10th round. And Lopez, to his credit, like I said, really started pouring it down. It was a dominant round. He, he definitely looked hurt. But he wasn't able to pour on the, the whole rest of the round. He did get gassed a little bit. He definitely got gassed a little bit and couldn't quite finish him off. But, you know, he's going back to his corner. And the last couple of times when you see him in the corner, his dad's up there celebrating. And, you know, like, it's like he's, you know, cheering with the crowd every time and all that. And I, I get it. You got energy. That's great. But there was like a 10-second gap at times in this fight where Tiafimo's sitting down and his trainer's not even in the ring just yet. And he's trying to grab the water. He's trying to grab this. You know, and it's like, dude, we got a fight going on here. I don't know if you know, but your son's still in this fight. And like I mentioned, Cambosis, to come back after that 10th round where it looked bad. Right? It looked bad. Remember when um, Manny Pacquiao got Jeff Horn? I think it was the 9th or 10th round. And it looked like he was going to stop him. Maybe it wasn't that brutal, you know. On my scorecard to win the 11th and 12th, he got back on his jab right away, landed multiple right hands. And Lopez all of a sudden kind of went back to getting outboxed. And his father did say stuff like, you got to get back to the jab, and you can't be out like on the edge of the pocket because you're just losing. You got to get inside, but you got to use your jab. So he, he was saying that. But when I just, I just thought of that throughout this fight, like, dude, the way he's got him fighting, he's got to close the gap or he's going to get outboxed. And I would have never thought that going in, that Tiafimo, who's slick, who's fundamental, he's got, you know, a lot of skill. And like I said, we saw that on display in numerous fights, including his last one with Lomachenko. It just blew me away that Cambosas was either outworking him or just outboxing him. And I think Lopez did land pretty well somewhat down the stretch, some good lands in that 12th round, but I think it was too late. I think it was too late. I thought I, thought I gave Gambosas that round. When you start to add him up, like I said, there was some competitive rounds in there, no doubt about it. Um, I couldn't see giving um, the fight to, to, to Lopez, you know, um, I just couldn't. I personally couldn't see it. The scorecards read, what was it, 115-111, 114-113, and 115-112. Now, (laughs) 
This didn't help with the conspiracy stuff from the Tiafimo side when the ref raised his hand and then put it back down. That was some shaky shit. You know what I mean? That that was shaky. I can't say that it wasn't. You never liked that, you know? Especially when it wasn't like cut and dry that he won. It wasn't like it was what they were talking about, 10 and 2. It wasn't 10 and 10 to 2. So to me, it was like, ref, why are you even getting that excited about that? Like, why, why are you jumping the gun like that? That threw me off a little bit. Um, so, and you could see the, the ref's face kind of was like, oh, shit, I just did that. You know what I mean? But, the, but literally said the undefeated, you know, and, and I think some other thing he said, but it didn't, they're both undefeated. So there was no point in, you know, the announcer just said undefeated and still undefeated. Well, they're both undefeated. So what are you raising hands for? So before the third card was uh, properly announced, the ref did put his hand up, Teofimo's hand. And they put it down, and Teofimo's like, what the hell's going on, you know? Now, seven to five, I had it for Cambosis. Um Seven four one six five one. However you want to get it there, I did have Cambosis winning this fight. I don't think it was any kind of nine to three, ten to two thing. I did see some people there. This was easy to you know judge if it was, it was a clean win. You can be a clean win and win seven to five, you know. But yeah, man. I mean, and then after some of the stuff, I mean. <laughs> Not just after the fight, right? After, after. I'm talking about after at the hotel. I mean, the things that Tiafimo Sr. was worried about was just crazy. You know, he, he was like, dude, we're the people's champ. We sold out venues. All I really care about is my, my son still selling out venues. They know who he won. But then he had the audacity to bring up Mayweather in this scenario. They've done this multiple times like they're going to be bigger than Mayweather. But this is a a clip of an interview by Seconds Out that was like, really, dude? Here here it is. And this is not going to stain my son. It's going to stain him because now we can't say we're better than Floyd Mayweather because now Floyd's going to say, we got that. You know what I'm saying? We got that lost. And, and, um, and, and, And listen, it doesn't really matter. He's the people's champ. Everybody's gonna fill out the arenas for him, you know. And that's all I, that's all I'm concerned about, you know. To know who won that tonight, and it doesn't matter what the judges said. We won tonight, and and, and this bullshit laws, because it's a bullshit laws. And I should have never fought with the zone. I should have stood with um, top rank. Because those are the people that really love us, and 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 I learned, and you learn from your mistakes. You know what I'm saying? So we go back with top rank. But anyway, well, when he says I never should have went to the zone and all that match room and all that, you know, that was ridiculous. Oh, the zone, and he blamed like the commission and the judges because they they're too loud mouth. They don't like when people are loud and all that. It, it was ridiculous. Like. And when he started making up, you know, saying stuff, I didn't lose this fight. I wanted 10-2. The, the crowd booed. You know, 
both of them, especially senior, was like, nah, you heard the crowd, they booed it. It's like, nah, dude, they were booing you. They booed you, dude. <laughs> you know? They they booed you. So, you know, where does he go? Does he go to 140, you know? I mean, wherever he goes, and then he's like, they for you know, and other times they, they forced me. They they made me, they forced me to stay at 135. Like, nobody forced you. They don't have the right to force you to do anything. So, to me, he just had a lot of excuses. And we see it. We see it. But they just had a lot of excuses. And I just, I really hope Tia Female realizes how negligent his father was in that corner that night and after, too. Like I said, you beat the man that beat the man. You enter the top 10 pound for pound. Shit goes to your head. We know that, right? We know that. It happens, right? It happens to the best of them. Look at Errol Spence. You know, he, uh, he he didn't lose in the ring, but, you know, Denny Moore gaining some weight, having a few too many cocktails, obviously. You know what I mean? It got to him. It did get to him. We see this time and time again, um, you know, even, like, outside the world of entertainment and sports, you know, like just uber-rich people. You know, you talk, you see an interview with them five, ten years later, you see now all of a sudden they're, you know, worth $10 billion and the interview looks a lot different all of a sudden. And you're like, wow, boy, that's weird. Why is he saying that? You know, I mean, so anyway, I just hope he gets a new trainer. I mean, it does sound like he was having, well, they've had a lot of issues in that camp amongst themselves. We know him and his dad get along, don't get along, get along, don't get along. We're hearing, you know, there's a great article on BoxingScene.com that broke down a variety of things going into this fight. So he had a lot on his plate, just had a kid, is getting served divorce papers. We don't know what's going to come from that, by the way. So let's not – I see some people jumping on one or the other. Let's see what that all entails. But, man, much respect to Lopez the way he fought, by the way. George Cambosis Jr., this guy was confident the whole time. Yeah, he was talking shit, but he was doing it in a different manner that was a little bit more like, huh. Like, I did notice that. You know, now that I kind of think about it the whole time, he was real confident. And in some of the fights that we saw with Lee Selby and whatnot, Mickey Bay, the split decisions, majority decision type stuff, I just didn't see this. And so he's made improvements, and, you know, as that level went up, he more than just rose up to the occasion. Now, of course, some of it has to do with how Lopez was fighting for most of his fight. Forget fundamentals. And he's not just – I'm not trying to make him out to be, like, Mr. Fundamentals, because we do see that leaping shot and all that before, but – you know, the mentality he had, he did not respect Cambosis in this fight. He just did it. He came out just on a hunt right away. And Cambosis took a lot of shots himself and kept on ticking and landed the bigger, better shots. I had him win in the fight like a lot of people did. But, um, wow. <laughs> wow, man. That was a great, great fight. Oh, my gosh. That was that was just a whole lot of fun, dude. That that. Man, I'm still, like, buzzing from it. I really am. 
mean, that was phenomenal. Anyway, I do want to just talk real quick about that Figueroa and Fulton fight. Then we're going to go ahead and bring in John as well. And this was a, I mean, this was a razor sharp um, fight here too. You know, um, Fulton, like through the first, say, five rounds, I'm not going to say Fulton won all five rounds, um, but he had control of the fight. Came out there, Fulton, with that jab, the lead right hands. I liked what he was, what, what he was doing with the uh, the one hand free. You know, during the clinch, uh, there was actually a headbutt pretty early in on there. Um, I remember, but yeah, the left hook counters, he had his stuff going and, you know, I thought Figueroa did some nice work. He was starting to get the body as well. Uh, but the cleaner shots, uh, the stinging right hands, imagine if, and I think I tweeted this, imagine if Fulton had real deal power, my goodness gracious. Because he'll land the cleaner shot all night long, but clearly he just doesn't have a ton of power. Um, But the third round, that's where I thought, even though I gave Fulton the next one after that, I did think Figueroa started to, you know, there was action. He started, like, action inside the trenches. He started to really get to the body, um, started landing hooks with both hands. I thought he stole that round. Like I said, I thought Fulton did manage to win the fourth round, the early and late, the short, clean shots. That's another thing. We knew, you know, Fulton is multi-talented, going, you know, coming, like, going in the, on the inside, being on the move. He was mixing up a good blend, but his short shots on the inside, especially in the first half of the fight I should preference, was pretty damn impressive. Um, so I had him up pretty cleanly. I gave Figueroa the, the sixth round. I thought some of the stuff that I just thought he had his best round, several hard right hands midway. It seemed like he was starting to take, you know, take that the fight over in some senses. So I had it four to two after six for Fulton, give or take. I did think Fulton won the seventh round though. He had the better shots, but Figueroa, Started to take control of most of the rounds. Um, started landing harder, closing stronger, and he started working the head and body. Um, I was really impressed by the body work of Fulton, or Figueroa, too, but Fulton as well. I mean, you could look at it 106 to 85. Now, you'd assume Figueroa was going to win work, right? But 106 to 85, 85 to the body, still a lot. Um, and then Figueroa, for me, won the ninth. Uh, in the tent, um, I thought that Fulton was kind of leaning over too much on the inside. The heavier shots, closing stronger each round. Um, Fulton, you know, would have his little – he would get his shots off, but he started getting affected more and more by the shots. In the tenth round, I looked at it, definitely hurt in that round or at least buzzed. Um, and you notice with Figueroa after the fight, he said, I hurt you like four times. Fulton didn't say, no, you didn't, you know. He, he actually didn't say he didn't, you know. Um, and in the 11th, in the 12th, you know, I thought the stick and move and then once in a while kind of charge in or, or do some work on the inside. I did give Fulton the 11th. 
The 12th, I thought, maybe Figueroa close strong. That was a very close round. There were some competitive rounds in this fight, no doubt about it. Um, one scorecard had it 114-114. The other had it, one, or, or two of them, had it 116-112. And I didn't see 8-4 to four for Fulton. I could see Fulton winning that spine, 7-5, 6-5-1. I would have been fine with the draw in this one. I didn't necessarily have Figueroa winning seven or eight rounds, I'll say that. Um, but it's a, it's a, it was a competitive enough fight that I want to see the rematch. Now it's not going to come next. And, you know, Figueroa did say that he might go to featherweight and both of them are probably going to end up at featherweight soon anyway, or somewhat soon in the next year or two, regardless, I think, uh, so it won't be, well, we can't say it won't be for a fact because I guess, well, I don't know that. They didn't put a petition in, so the WBC and WBO already called it. So I, I don't know. I don't think they can – I'm not sure if they can appeal or not on that. We'll see. Well, they can appeal. I just don't know if they'll go through. The Figueroa ended up outworking them. No, no surprise there. Um, landed 311 to 269. In both of those, 311 and 269 for landing is crazy. Figueroa – you know, that pace just kept going up and up and up, and he was going out of 100 the last handful of rounds. He threw 1,060 and landed 30%. When you throw 1,000 punches and you land 30%, that's a lot. Um, and Fulton, you know, he threw 729, landed 37%. But, yeah, 106 to 85 on the body attack, both of them almost landing. That's pretty freaking nuts, man. That was one of the best fights of the year. Now, did it have a knockdown? No. Was somebody, someone badly hurt? No. Uh, but Fulton did a lot in that fight, but also got hurt at least twice. I don't know if it was four times, but he definitely was feeling it. And, like, he had those moments where he was leaning, and Figueroa all of a sudden was just – letting off just a plethora of variety of shots. This guy, once he warms up, Figueroa on his way up looked kind of sloppy, knocking people out at times. But other times you saw, wow, dude, he'll attack the body. He'll throw a lot of different shots. Whatever's open to the target, you know, he's going to work the body. He's going to throw a jab. But once he gets that jab going, and he can, he can really let off hooks and uppercuts. And he was landing great shots. and He had taken over the fight in the second half, a lot of that fight. So definitely a, a fight that warrants a rematch. And maybe, you know, in a year, a year's time, at featherweight, it'd be just as good for both of them, you know. Um, but I got to admit, I, did, I, I, I haven't watched it again, but I, I don't believe I have Figueroa winning seven or eight rounds. That said, though, I didn't have it eight to four. Those two scorecards for Fulton, I didn't have it. I didn't have it for Fulton that wide. But yeah, seven to five, six, five, one, whatever. I was okay with the draw. But man, (laughs) what a fun fight. And that card itself, that triple header, had solid competitive fights throughout. Uh, We'll talk about that a little later. I gave my take Let's bring in a great boxing mind, John, here, and see what he thought of these two fights because we had a hell of a weekend. Now we're going into what could be a really fun weekend as well. What's going on, John? How you doing, man? 
Hey, Chris, great to be here. Like you said, we came off a great week of action, two great fights with uh, Lopez, Cambosos, and Figueroa, and Fulton. So that was really a, a hell of a night uh, for boxing. Of course, the, the one – well, really, both results uh, being surprising in their own way. Uh, if you look at the odds, of course, Cambosos being a complete shocker, and then Figueroa also being a significant underdog and Fulton getting the win, but, but that fight really, really being, being very, very, very tight. And I think that that myself, I think that decision was debatable. No, I, I agree. I, I think it, it, I think it warranted a, a rematch. I mean, they got to get it in at some point, man, because that was, well, one, too good of a fight, but it is open-ended. It definitely is open-ended. And I did like how, of course, you can have some back and forth. You can have some argument that both thought they won, of course. But I did like how Fulton said, man, I'll, I'll run it back. dude. I'm not afraid to run it back. Now, obviously, he's going to have something else on his plate now, it seems. But um, I definitely – they're young enough. Even if it happens at 126, John, I'm good with it. I, I really want to see this fight again. And this does nothing. Of course, Figueroa has an L on his record, but this – to me, this doesn't really fade me, phase me at all as far as what I think of Figueroa either. I mean, this this really brought up both of them in certain ways. I mean, Fulton now, we see that the power at some point, you know, the lack of punching, real punching power, it, you know, it, it, should you go up to featherweight, it may hurt you more, who knows, but that, that is basically stopping him from separating a little bit more in this fight. I thought if he had, because his punches, when they land with the speed and accuracy, you're like, oh, my God. But they, he just doesn't have a lot of power, so it does catch up with you. Um, go ahead and let, let's start, though, with the shocker, in a sense, right, with, with Teofimo Lopez, and kind of walk us through that first round, obviously the corner, and just how Lopez did get, you know, credit to him. He got back in that fight and everything. Um, how did you see that fight going down? Yeah, that, that's what I'm just going to do. I mean, this was a complete shocker. Uh, I thought Cambosos was going to pretty much get get blown out. And, you know, I, I'd seen him before. And, uh, you know, one thing I did accurately uh, assess with him and you saw Saturday night was he has very fast hands. And, of course, Teofimo Lopez has a lot of attributes, including fast hands, but Cambosos was not overmatched with the speed. Uh, that was that was something I saw within the realm of possibility, but what I didn't see coming at all, and to me, that was the biggest difference in this fight from the way I think most people thought it would, almost everybody thought it would go. Let, let's Let's be real here on this one. I mean, there, there was nobody out there picking Cambosos. You had these, these people out there, Oh, he's going to be more competitive than you think granted, but, but you know, what does that mean? I mean, define, define that. So, he, you know, he's going eight rounds instead of six or four. I mean, you know, there, there was nobody really serious with a definitive Cambosos pick out there. And you don't, you don't actually see that that often, even in a fight with somebody's a big underdog. So, uh, I'm giving credit to Cambosos just in the sense that just how little chance everybody thought he had. And as you pointed out, I, I thought it might be false, but it wasn't false. He had great confidence. He expressed that going in. But getting back to the difference, 
The difference to me was I didn't see, you know, you know, any power coming out to me that was of any note uh, from Cambosos and his two highest level fights of, you know, Mickey Bay and Lee Selby and, you know, Mickey Bay and Lee Selby at lightweight, you know, two guys who can't, uh, and that's, that's your best. And you're both going to, in both of those fights, you're going to close the decision. That's, that's not some uh, big endorsement of your power. And, you know, he coming in had 10 KOs and, you know, 19 fights and all the KOs were, were against the lower level opposition that he did have. So I, I just didn't think the power was there for him to do anything with Lopez. And as you accurately pointed out, um, Lopez and his, you know, his father, senior and junior, both obviously went into the fight with no respect for Cambosos. You know, and I'm not saying I had a lot for him going in either, being fair to those two, even though it's their job to be ready. Uh, you know, he didn't show anything to me to lead me to believe he was going to be a significant threat, except I thought he had good hand speed, but I didn't think one attribute was going to be enough. Uh, one thing I didn't think would make that much of a difference, but then in the fight, I think also helped Cambosos is he's pretty tall for a lightweight. And you saw Lopez dominate the fight against Nakatani, who is not skilled and, and has nowhere near the talent of Cambosos, but, and Lopez dominated the fight, but he couldn't get him out of there. You know, he was a tall guy. And Lopez is about, you know, average height for a lightweight. He's not short. But, you know, sometimes when you've got to, you've got to punch up on a guy, even when you're a great puncher like Lopez, you know, if it's somebody who's, who's competent, who, who's, you know, closer to your level, it can take away a little bit of that power. But, but the difference to me was Camboso showing the power. That's to here. And, and you heard Cambosos say it post-fight. His plan was, you know, he, he was looking at historical fights, and, and he thought, I need to hurt this guy right off the bat. Now, of course, you can say it and not be able to do it. It's, it's okay to have that concept, but he was able to do it in the first round, and, and he definitely hurt him when he dropped him. I mean, that was a mass, that was a monster shot. I mean, that wasn't even just an average shot. Yeah, this whole flash knockdown, I heard a bunch, John. I was like, are you kidding me? That was, a, I mean, his neck snapped. Well, that was a monster shot. I mean, I didn't think Lopez, uh, Cambosos was a puncher going in, but, but I saw enough through 12 rounds of this fight. I think he can punch now. Uh, that You just got to, like I always say, you got to go on what you see, and, I'm, I'm, and you've got to alter you're, you've got to alter your takes on some things. And, and you know, he, he, he's got more power than I thought he did. He, he's not a guy that doesn't have power because it wasn't just that one shot. Then sometimes you say, well, one shot, he hasn't replicated in other fights. But I don't think this fight ended up qualifying because he ended up landing solid shots that were stinging Lopez later in the fight, throughout the fight, and you saw what Lopez's face looked like after the fight. So uh, Cambosos proved he can hit. And he hit him with a huge shot. Really, you look at that shot that Cambosos knocked him down with in the first round, and Lopez was pretty lucky he got up. Uh, you know, that, that was a big shot. He, he, even though he went down, I, I'd say he, he probably showed his chins pretty good. Um, so, you know, he got up. But, but what I gave Lopez props for, and I wanted to see going into the fight, thinking Cambosos was in fear of opposition was – hey, I always think bad things can happen when you let somebody hang around, get them out of there. Uh, he tried to get them out of there, but he did it in the most amateurish, you know, the old way the amateurs used to fight when I say that. 
it, it kind of changed over the years, but the, the old way of amateur fighting, when you go back in the, the 70s and the 60s and before early 80s was just guys swinging wild a lot of times. And uh, th- that's what Lopez came out, you know, and that was terrible. I mean, he just came out, no respect, swinging wild. And he got caught with a big shot. He was probably lucky he got up. And, you know, as he was still trying to do some of that, I mean, Cambosos was counting them hard. I mean, they were hard shots, and that, that was the big surprise to me. I thought Cambosos had hand speed, but I didn't think he'd be stinging Lopez like he was. And he repeatedly stung him. I mean, there were times you saw that where Lopez had to then back off. He, he was getting respect because, you know, Lopez was getting hurt with those shots. And as you accurately described what was going on in the corner, I mean, they, they finally kind of got it together a little bit where he was throwing the jab out there and, and stopped with the just swinging wild. And he looked a little more like the old Teofimo Lopez. And then, you know, he would have spurts where it looked like he was going to take over, you know, culminating in the 10th where he almost knocked him out. But I agree with your take on it also, Chris, it just looked like he was just a little bit gassed all those times he was about to take over. And, and, you know, you got to figure Look, he's still got to make 135 pounds. I mean, you can be in not as good shape, but you got to be in decent shape, or you know, he, he wouldn't make the 135 on the first try. Now, I know there's there's different qualities of making it, and and I'm sure this was might have been a situation where he's pressed and things, but he still did make it. So, you know, you know, he was in some condition, but but not in his best, and and. Uh, you know, to his credit, he had adversity, and he just about had Cambosos out of there. I was with you. I had Cambosos up, you know, Lopez rallying. I I could have gone as far in this one as a draw, but I agreed with you 100%. I, I, I did not see a way to score the fight for Lopez. I, I didn't see any realistic scoring for a Lopez win, and I thought Cambosos did, like you said, you know, Seven to five Cambosos. They each had ten eight rounds with with the knockdowns. Uh, that was reasonable. I thought you could stretch it to a draw for Lopez. I didn't see a win for Lopez. So uh, no way to me he won this fight. But draw at best. Uh, you you know you made a good point about the corner. Everybody was taking it so lightly. Uh, there was no discussion about what happened to Joey Gamash pre-fight let's face it none of the boxing journals were even discussing it and obviously joey gamash after doing the great job and being brought let's be fair being brought in by lopez senior you know as well as junior i mean they they brought him in i mean you know i agree with with everything that was going bad that you were talking about saturday night but but one thing i do have to add if you really kind of get perspective on it because the guy is such a good fighter this this even considering saturday night uh, because the old, people, I think, have lost sight in this week because of the upset, how close Lopez came to pulling that fight out, either by knockout in the 10th round or really by a decision, because I think a draw would have been reasonable. Um, so, you know, he, he almost he almost still did come away with the fight in two different yep. ways. Um, and Lopez Sr. did build him as a fighter. I mean, you know, you can look at the relationship how you want to, but even before they brought Gamash in, I mean – it was a it was a junior senior combo that created what Tiafimo Lopez was, and then Gamash just kind of perfected things. But let's face it, again, you got to call what you see. I mean, Gamash was missed; he was missed Saturday night greatly. I've got to assume, and and I don't actually even think this is unreasonable, even though it obviously didn't work out. 
I mean, let's get back to even even senior, you know, in that that post fight interview, the way he was talking, I, I could see, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Even he forgot. Like, in other words, the whole logic of what this whole fight was about Saturday night was was grabbing an overinflated paycheck for a fight that you're going to, you thought you were going to knock a guy out quick. In other words, you know, now in hindsight, what he lost, we're saying that was, of course you're saying that was a bad move, but that that's why they went away from top rank. I mean, that's why they fought on the zone. That's why they took the fight. I mean, Tio Lopez didn't need George Cambosos for his marketability. Like you said, he was already one of the top 10 pound for pound in the world. He's the man at lightweight. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, to me, that's undisputed. Um, so, you know, he did. He could have. He could have moved up there. Or, or frankly, let's face it. I mean, the, the belts. I, I'll still say the belts are overrated. I mean, he was the man. You know, if, if he dumped an IBF belt, who would have cared? Uh, you know, because he didn't fight George Cambosos. I mean, again, going into the fight, not knowing that Cambosos was quite what he turned out to be which now we know he is a formidable opponent. But, you know, it, it's hindsight. In other words, the, the logic wasn't all that bad, but the problem that ruined it was Cambosos was a formidable opponent. And, you know, you had some of the Aussies talking about it, but, again, nobody really picking them to win. Um, but, you know, they were right. He was a little better than everybody else, everybody else in the world was thinking he was, uh, you know, what, what the Australians thought. And, you know, that, that was what upset the apple cart. That was what toppled the plan is, you know, so they took him lightly. He was better than they thought, and it ended up imploding on him because Tio didn't quite pull the win out. He came very close. Um, you know, even though Tio didn't get stopped, you know, in a, in a way, when you look the way that fight played out, your famous fight that it kind of reminded me of, not not necessarily the, you know, of course, the styles and everything, but just sort of the, the flow of it. And what you were thinking, it reminded me a little bit of a Tyson Douglas, um, even though Douglas was even a bigger underdog. You know, you're just kind of taking this fight. You know, Tyson went to Japan. It was just to make money, you know, to fight in Japan. And, yep. you know, we're not we're not taking Douglas seriously. And, you know, Tyson was losing all the early rounds, and uh, it was shocking everybody. And then, then Tyson was able to, you know, at least for a moment, you know, get it together and, and drop Douglas, but but Douglas got back up and took the play away from him, and uh, you know, even, so so Tyson came close to a to a KO there, didn't get it, uh, and then you know Douglas came back, rallied in that case, knocked out Tyson, but you know that that kind of a that kind of a thing that you know he, he was in a he was in a fight he wasn't expecting, the payday looked like it made sense, but then. You, you were in with a more formidable opponent than you expect, and, and in that in Tyson's case, the corner wasn't ready. They didn't have an end swell when Tyson's, you know, eyes started swelling up. It was a rub, it was a rubber, it was a rubber with water, cold water. Right. In it. I mean, because they didn't even have an end swell for his eyes. Well, I mean, that's how overconfident they were. You know, they didn't even bring the end. Swell. That was a bad so, cut. Yeah, yeah, right. So, and then you know, look, yeah, and then here Lopez got cut bad, and but you know, again. You, look, Camboso's face had a lot of damage, you know, after the fight. He got dropped. And, and I, I want to add, too, Camboso's did show a good chin in the fight despite going down because Lopez has speed and power. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, and, you know, he had those flashes where he looked like his old self, one of the flashes being when he dropped him. So I, I think Camboso's even did show chin despite going down to go 12 with Tio Lopez. 
uh, with his face, his own face also getting busted up. And, you know, he did enough at the end to, you know, hang on and win the fight, you know, as you're getting to. I, I'm not sure. I thought he quite rallied as much as, you know, you and some people thought. But I, I do agree that what you said, that Lopez kind of gassed. He wasn't doing anything either, you know. So I think it was kind of like Tio couldn't seize the opportunity there and Cambosos was had the guts and heart to pull it together uh, and, and get through those last two rounds. Um, but, you know, it was a great, great fight. One of the best fights of the year for me, nothing's going to top uh, Fury Wilder three, but this was right up there. And so was, you know, Fulton Figueroa, which we're going to talk about, but I, I was shocked, completely shocked. Um, obviously wrong that Tiafimo Lopez was going to blow him out. And I look at like, what part did I see? I, I think Camboso's hand speed is the only thing really I saw, but I didn't see the power he was going to bring. He brought a better chin than I expected. And, and Tio Lopez just, you know, Tiafimo Lopez just coming out, you know, just coming out like a street fighter trying to knock him out. I mean, I like trying to get him out of there early because bad things can happen like happened in this fight when you don't get him out of there early. But just the way he did it was ridiculous. Left himself wide open and didn't respect Cambosos at all, like you said, and he paid for it by getting dropped heavily. And he, and he was getting hurt on other occasions. I mean, you, you could see Cambosos was stinging him. So my conclusion here is Tiafimo, and, and here would be my example, and, and I'll say it, and, and, and if people don't like this take, I don't care because this, this is my point. You know, to think that just because of this one outing, I mean, of course you wonder about the corner, but let's assume they get it together in the corner and that kind of thing. To think that just because of this, that Tiafimo Lopez, and they both you know do have top rank affiliation, you know, would have no chance against Josh Taylor is ridiculous. I mean, that's your ridiculous think he'd have no chance. Um, you know, it, it's not that it's not that severe. He came very close to still winning the fight, and Cambosos proved he was better than we thought. Now, I'm not saying you can say he's gonna gonna beat Josh Taylor either, but I but I but you know, you can't you can't get too extreme because of this. If he got knocked out and he didn't show anything. But, you know, he, he came close to winning the fight in the cards. He came close to knocking Cambosos out. And, and he, he obviously wasn't taking him seriously, like, which is on him and his dad. But uh, get back, but get, then one more final thing on the, on the corner. I think it, it probably hasn't been said for sure, but I think it probably was a money issue. And, and, Chris, I think you made a good statement about not only in sports, but just in life. I, and I've seen it in the law business and uh, – with, with the kind of law I do, do you, you actually you see it all the time. I mean, you know, people people come into people come into a lot of money and they start acting differently, and it, it just it just changes people. People who haven't been fortunate enough to be in that situation, they think, oh, wouldn't change me, or I'd just co-, you know, I know how to handle. No, it's just it's just different psychologically, you know. And uh, what what I thought was probably true that's hard to fathom is they said he had twenty thousand dollars left. You know, right. before the fight, but you know what? Look, forty percent, forty. Think about it. You know, forty percent federal and state taxes. You know, on these purses, you gotta pay. You gotta pay trainers. You gotta pay for a training camp. Yep. You know, you, these are young guys mostly, and then you're expected yeah. He said it was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for his camp. You know, just a lot. Right. And you're expected to be styling, showing off. So you add, you right. add. All those things you buy, 
it, it just it doesn't it doesn't last. It just doesn't last. It adds up people. quick. Right. As stupid as people would think it is, it just doesn't last as long as people think. I actually do believe that. I mean, when I when I read that, I thought, you know what? That's the type of thing we don't hear all the time. That's probably true, and that probably yep. tells you why they didn't bring Gamache in. They probably said, you know, what if he's getting ten percent or some percentage close to that? And they just said, yeah, we got it's Cambosas. We're not going to bring Joey in for this fight. I mean, I don't know that. I don't have any direct evidence of that, but it would perfectly fit then. But it wasn't discussed at all going into the fight, and it ended up mattering. So that would be one thing you would be looking at now from this point on, I mean, his dad could still be even the main guy, but they, they really should get Gamash back in there when they try to get it back together. Yeah, it's a good point. And uh, I actually did hear in a couple of places uh, that he didn't even train at the, this normal uh, strength and conditioning thing either because of the money. More than likely. So yeah, that, it, it does happen. And he's, you know, I'll give him credit, man. He, he does actually, you know, he, he actually does – he says some wild storm or whatever, but, like, he does actually come clean a lot of times, too. Um, and obviously he's had some, you know, issues, uh, family issues and whatnot, and, you know, he's going through some stuff, and that's not easy. But, but yeah, it's crazy to think a year and change ago he was on top of the world and now he took a loss to someone that, you know, like you said, nobody nobody thought he was gonna gonna lose to. But it's so true. I mean, he fought considering how bad he fought, like as far as the you know, what is the the game plan? You're right. I mean he damn near came back and won the fight. So, um i don't know, maybe he just you know, his camp like we've been saying, wasn't that all that good either. We know he has weight issues. So that could have played into it. But had he had just won, you know, the 11th and 12th or just the 11th, like I'm looking at the scorecards, he would have had to have probably won the last two rounds now that I look at it. Yeah, he would have had to because, yeah, it would have been one, two, yeah, three, four. So, but anyway, that was a, that was a hell of a fight, no doubt about it. Yeah, so, it, was a, it, was a great, it was a great fight, shocking result, and tons of cramp credit to Cambosos. I think nobody should take anything away from him. He performed – he, he performed great, and I, I, I think you know he performed well enough, even with the mistakes Lopez made that we well documented. I, I think he is in with that. You know, you had the the top lightweight quartet. You know, he he's in there now. It doesn't yep. mean he he's well. He already beat Lopez, so you know, I mean, he's right there. Right. And I, I'll say too. I mean, anybody that thinks you know, you know, we don't know which direction Cambosa is going to go in yet, but. You know, I already see some people think like like I, I'm. I'll say this. I mean, Cambosa showed me enough. One, some takes I don't agree with that I've seen now after the fight because again, you got to adjust. I've changed my opinion of him. Some people maybe haven't as much. I, I think when I see people now saying like, "Oh, that that's an easy fight for Lomachenko now," or "That's an easy fight for Haney." No, no. Yeah, I, I will say like he doesn't mess not. with any of them. They say, "Oh, this this is gonna be easy." Tank's gonna come calling now, you know that type of stuff. It's like, right? Yeah, right. I, agree. I, I don't, I don't see that. If, if now, what what happened to, you know, I'm not saying it will, but what happened to Lopez and Buster Douglas could happen to Cambosa. I mean, I'm not saying it right. will, but oh my gosh, like, yeah. like let's yeah. let's assume he stays. Let's assume he stays close to his hungry at least, and he might because 
if he gets discounted again, you know, he might keep a chip on his shoulder. I don't see any of these guys. It doesn't mean I'm automatically picking him either, but I, I'm not with that take. I mean, I, I think he showed he belongs there. He now can't be considered an easy mark for any of these guys. Those are just simply really, really now. And it makes me extremely curious to see which direction Cambosos is going to go in because, you know, does he maybe try to, and he is the champ now, you know, I think yep. that, you know, historically he's just the champ. Does he go, so it's all legit, you know, does he go to Australia as the champ and maybe have a kind of easy defense and, and make money there before he takes one of those tougher fights? Or sometimes, again, with, with what we just saw happen, you know, sometimes that strategy can be overrated. I mean, if the payday is big enough, sure. you know, you know, you, maybe you take the big the big fight next. Uh, you know, figure out where the most money is. But which which of these guys is going to be the best move for him? You know, does he? The indications are he's kind of a free eight. You know, Lou DeBella's tweeting that you know he's got him, but he's kind of like a otherwise a free agent. Like they can they can make a deal to fight who they want to. Yeah. If that's right. accurate, assuming that's accurate, uh, then he's got the choice, you know, is, is Tank Davis now you, you hear, and you know, it's not really in front of the scenes. The only, to me, real, we have some gate evidence of Tank Davis and we have evidence that Showtime keeps putting him on pay-per-view, but right. it's all circumstantial right now. Like usually you get more credible concrete source reports like, you know, we, we really, with Tank recently, haven't gotten concrete pay-per-view buy rates. And his show ratings, I mean, and I do follow this stuff, you know, they really, they weren't that great, you know, before they started doing the sure. pay-per-view thing. With them. They were a little bit, little better than the other guys, okay? A little better, but not, you know, he, he might have had some showings of like 375,000. But, you know, that's 25 million subscribers. I mean... Again, a little better. You know, well, not better than Wilder. You know, Wilder when Wilder popped up on show, he beat all those guys. But, but uh, you know, better than the other. Again, better than the other guys. But, but I, I do have to assume. I mean, Stephen Espinosa, you know, Viacom, CBS. They're they're not fools. I mean, Tanks. You know, he's, he's going to have another pay per view Sunday. You know, against Isak Cruz, who's not a big name. So. You know, circumstantial evidence indicates he would be bringing the money, but I, I, I almost need to see a little more evidence. But like, like if if he is bringing that money, does Cambosos go there? You know, Ryan Garcia has been inactive, but he's got the huge social media following, coming off a big win. Um, you know, Cambosos just had a disown fight. Does he does he go there? I mean, you know, Haney has got this fight with Diaz Saturday night, uh, which we can touch on shortly. Uh, does he, you know, is that a fit then with the zone? Um, and, and, you know, just beat Lopez or, you know, you got Lomachenko with, with top rank there. I mean, there, there's, 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 a, you know, there's a lot of options for him there. So, uh, I'm real curious to see where that's going to go. Yeah, me too. It's always kind of interesting to see when this type of stuff happens, what, what goes on. And, you know, like you said, I mean, he says that, you know, they're going to try to, keep me out of camp, you know, or get out of the gym for a little bit to, to, to calm down a little bit, let my body rest, Cambosos, because, you know, they kept having to do the stop and start, so he has been on and off training for a long time, so, you know, you probably should just shut down and let the body heal and whatnot, but yeah, it is going to be interesting, and we know, you know, if, 
I do think it'll be in Australia. I really think he's going to be like, screw it. It's going to be a big stadium fight. It's not like Horn had this huge following. And then, oh, by the way, Pacquiao, you know, it was it was an event because, you know, a name went over there. But he now made a name to where he's going to be a pretty big deal over there. And maybe they can get, um, you know, that that department of the government to, to put up some money and help that out too. Cause it's probably going to be a nice gate with the stadium and whatnot. So yeah, I'm really interested to see, let's switch um, networks. Uh, I guess you could say, and we'll go to uh, Figueroa Fulton and we'll eventually get to some of these other cards because they were competitive. It was a good triple header in general. Um, but Figueroa Fulton, uh, another fight of the year type, top 10 type, top 15, top whatever. Some people have it in the top five. It's a hell of a fight as well. Um, it did seem like Fulton was, you know, the first half of the fight was his. Second half, clearly Figueroa got back. He also hurt him multiple times. I thought it was very telling, John, that, uh, that when he said, I hurt you four times, didn't really say, no, dude, just once. or not, You know, he, he's like, yeah, but, you know, he, he didn't really deny it, you know, which you usually just assume knee-jerk, you know, just this business, it's usually like you got to put it, no, dude, you didn't hurt me, or that was a good shot, but I was still okay, or, you know, usually you deny it and whatnot. But how did you see this fight go, go down? Uh, what'd you think of it? What'd you score it? Because it was super competitive in, like I said earlier, definitely warrants a rematch. Yeah, now this this one, unlike Cambosos and Lopez, uh, this this one this one did play out almost exactly the way I thought it would. Um, you know, I thought that Fulton, very versatile, can do a lot of things, um, and he was doing that. But but like you pointed out in your open, he he's missing the punching power and, and, and he landed a lot of clean, sharp shots, but you, you could see that this Fulton's a fighter that can do everything, but bang with power and Figueroa, a tall guy, but, but still strong for this weight, 122. And, and, you know, I, I did say going in, and I think you, people did appreciate a little more subtle evidence of this than they gave Figueroa credit for before this fight. I said, He's a guy who has some skills who, who he doesn't show him, and I didn't think he was going to pull out and box, and I said that, and he didn't. But you did see some evidence of his skill in there, the way he was able to land the shots and get himself in position to land different shots. He, he's not an unskilled guy. He chooses to fight in a pressure-entertaining fashion, I think really to be a crowd pleaser and because it also has worked for him. But I don't think he's an unskilled guy that is, is you know, incapable of fight of fighting with good subtle boxing skills and, and he does a lot of that on the inside and he gets himself in position to land his shots and especially to the body you know you got to count those body shots he was back ba- ba- it was better for Fulton early but I thought Figaro would start wearing him down some and he was with that body attack he was able to push him into the ropes Fulton's corner correctly I think when they were I think they felt like it might be flipping away from him some, you know, then then they told him to try backing him up. He did that a little bit, but he couldn't do it sustained. Then down the stretch, they told him just, just try to, you know, just try to box him some. And 
he couldn't hold Figueroa off, you know, at, that late in the fight, you get tired, you're tired as it is. And, and then he doesn't have the power to give Figueroa anything to think about. So that really, you know, those two things didn't work sustained for Fulton. He was banging pretty even with him on the inside. Uh, I don't think Fulton was doing bad or anything like that. And it was a very tight fight, but I thought Figueroa did enough down the stretch as well. And I, I just, I, it didn't, fall into the robbery classification for me by any means it was a very close fight but I, I just thought it was a fight to me that Figueroa clearly won kind of like you described like some fights you have a 7-5 but, but you felt you can't say then well, well it's 7-5 nobody could see a draw but I just felt like that was a pretty clear to me obviously the judges didn't agree but I thought it was and one judge had a draw I thought it was a pretty clear 7-5 Figueroa for me I agreed with Figueroa's shock, and, and I, I did see it the way Figueroa did, and like you said, Fulton didn't deny. Now, Fulton wasn't in horrible trouble or anything like that, but I did think Figueroa had him hurt on three, four occasions. Could, you know, to Fulton's credit, you know, Figueroa couldn't step it up to the next level where he could put him away or, or drop him or, or get, it when, when he was, get him where he was like obviously visibly in trouble. Uh, but but I did think he had him he had him about about to get him going on a, on a few occasions and couldn't quite get it there because Fulton's just that good of a fighter uh, you got to give him credit there too and he showed a good chin but I, I I didn't think Fulton ever hurt Figueroa and I thought that Figueroa hurt Fulton on three or four occasions kind of like I, I knew what Figueroa was referring to there and you know I don't go on the punch stats for scoring who won a fight or anything but along the lines of where I saw it, I thought this kind of fit. Figueroa threw more. He ended up landing more power punches. Um, and he's the harder puncher. So, you know, I, I just kind of thought I, I, I didn't, you know, and that depends what round it is and everything. But, again, I thought, you know, Figueroa hurt him some. He was never hurt. He, land, he landed more. He threw more. I, I, he punched harder. He was the aggressor. To me, you know, I, I just thought that I just thought that was a figure of a win. And as you said, though, I agree. I, I like Fulton's attitude. He would say, "We'll run it back." I don't think Figueroa was going to try to make 122 again. But you know, there's no real big difference from 122 to 126 except making the weight. So I'm I'm looking at it the same way. You know, these guys are all PBC. PBC's done a good job signing people in the 122-126 region. I, I could see a really good featherweight series. You know, they've got Ray Vargas there, who's got, who they, they're going to want to get some big fights because he signed with PBC, came over from Golden Boy, and he had some injuries. He was out, but he's back. Gary Russell's due to be back. You know, people like to make fun of Russell, but like I've said before now, he's been out a little bit long now, but, you know, because he didn't, because he missed a no-hoper fight some years, you know, who cares? You know, like, like, I mean, people on Twitter get all hung up on that. Like, in other words, if he's fighting Jojo Diaz and then he's fighting Tug, you know, if he's fighting Jojo Diaz one year and he's fighting Tug another year and he, and he misses fighting no-hopers in that year, who cares? I mean, who cares? <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we miss a no-hoper fight. I mean, in other words, I care who, right. I, I care who people – People are getting caught up on this activity thing. I mean, if you're fighting three no-hopers in a year, you know, 
I, I don't care that you fight three times in a year. That that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, you fight three guys, good guys in a year, that means something to me. So it, it matters who you fight. So I'm just saying, now, Russell is overdue to fight, but it's who you fight. I mean, he's also fought Lomachenko in the past. I mean, you know, it's, it's not it's not like he it's not like he's fought nobody. Um, so, you know, who, if he's due, he's due. He, you know, you got to figure he's going to come back. And then you've got Figueroa is going to move up. Fulton would join them. I mean, that's a lot of good fights. I'm not saying Fulton doesn't have good fights with people like Roman. That that that's an excellent fight. There's other guys there. He could do that as well, but. But I'm with you. I mean, we just had a great fight between Fulton and Figueroa. And I, I think it's clearly even better than that. I mean, to me, the, the best fights I've seen this year, and there have been some, some great ones. I mean, Fury Wilder 3, Granton and Apoche, uh, Cambosos and Lopez, and Fulton Figueroa. Um, you know, hipsters can go crazy, but I, I, I just I don't see the Estrada Gonzalez 2 being on the level of those four for me right there. So when people then want to stick that in there or say that's better than Fury Wilder three or something, I mean, I, I, I think you're crazy. I'll go, I'll go that far in that. I mean, not, I mean, you, you know, you saw all these fights too, Chris. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Do you think that, yeah. I mean, I, I think these fights are better than that one. I mean. And I'll tell you, Estrada's like one of my favorite fighters of this lot, you know, this current generation, I guess you'd say. I I love the death, but I agree. I, I just, there was a lot of punches thrown, but it just didn't seem like either guy really got hurt. Nobody hit the canvas. Right. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say, well, you know, nobody got really hurt in this one, but clearly, they, you know, Fulton was getting at least clearly buzzed. You could see it, you know, it was, very obvious right. so um yeah i don't know I, I i agree i don't i think that's kind of the chocolatito thing people love them i love them but you know we all do but i think it's just yeah, kind of like I, holding on to that you know right. uh, holding on to that that happened in march you know yeah i mean i like those guys myself but i saw it just the way you described it i mean a lot of punches thrown but i don't even mind articulating why i mean a lot of punches thrown but to me a great fight's got to have like that that seesaw momentum where you're really on the edge of your seat. I mean, that fight had a lot of punches thrown with nobody in trouble, no knockdowns. I know there was no knockdown in Fulton Figueroa, but you know Fulton was getting stung and and you know that that just I gotta say it. I mean, that was just a more intense action and and you know Figueroa was banging hard. I mean Fulton you know hung in there, but. Uh, I just think it was a better fight. I mean, you know, the Lopez Cambosos was great. Um, you know, Apoche Glanton was great with just guy the guys just landing fallacious bombs. Both guys getting rocked back and forth. I mean, you know, that that's edgy your seat type drama. I mean, Estrada, you know, Gonzalez too to me was a good fight, a good close fight, a good close competitive fight, a lot of punches thrown, not, no real dramatic turns in a momentum where both guys were in trouble or anything like that so you know good fight but i i I just i just think like you said it's in march and we've seen we've been fortunate to see a a lot of i mean these are these are some good fight of the year contenders and and, you know even it was an eight rounder but it it is worthy of mention that that ordino or or adarno yes or team fight was just i mean Mm -hmm. i mean that That was was a hell of a fight i mean really really for me 
that's why I didn't with those other ones. I mean, I mean, but just you know, an eight rounder, and you know, you don't know how many people saw it, but but that, I mean, that that was an unbelievable that that Ortiz Adorno fight was an unbelievable fight, uh, great fight. So there, there there were some there was there were some great ones. We're, we're in December now, so it's time to start collecting them. Uh, but but those are the ones that are sticking out for me. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, as far as the undercard goes, I mean, Antonio Russell Jr., who's, you know, not maybe kind of the, excuse me, the lesser of the Russell clan um, in there with Santiago. And this, if you want to, you know, see where a guy's at, this um, this is a good fight to figure that out. Um, it, I think it could have been pretty close to two to one after four. There was a lot of good back and forth. Like I said, this is a really good test. Um, it did seem like Santiago in the second half started landing the better shots when they'd exchange. Uh, Russell at times was busier. At times was behind. You know, at times was behind his jab. But Santiago, man, they, he just kept coming and coming. It was a fun fight. It was a good fight. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I, I five five would have been just fine for me. Uh, ninety five, ninety five, two scorecards had at ninety six, ninety four. So that's six to four anyway. Um, Russell did outland him one forty eight to one twenty two. Um, in in the body work, you know, fifty one to twenty three. Was that Santiago? I can't remember. But um, just a fun, good fight, and really got tested. And then a lean. And uh, Baez, I, you know, this was a good fight, too. I know uh, Aleem said that, you know, some of the time off bothered him or whatever. But this, that, this for me, was pretty razor tight, too. I'm trying to look at my scorecard and how I exactly had it. We had, well, we had, what, 95-95 and two 96-94s. trying to see what I added up mine to be, but... I did think Aleem uh, was doing enough busy work, uh, was getting the better shots off for the first few rounds. But Baez, I gave him, I'm looking, well, the second round, actually the second round he probably, I think he may have been getting the better shots off in that one. But, um, you know, for a second there, Baez wasn't able to come forward. I thought Aleem was holding them back because that's usually Baez's thing. But then all of a sudden, he started landing his left hook. He started landing right hands. And I think that last minute, looking at it, um, fourth round, he started coming alive. He started putting some, you know, some rounds in the bank to an extent. Uh, maybe you could give him one from five to seven. I gave him the eighth. Uh, I thought he started landing some really good hooks. Um, a competitive fight. Uh, maybe a little bit more competitive than some thought. There was a big right hand late in that fight as well uh, by Aleem. Um, I did think the better shots were Baez in the tenth round. So I think I had it six to four. Now I'm looking at about six to four for Aleem. So you know there were a fair amount of people down on this performance. Um, by the way, ninety to thirty six to the body for Aleem. Um, I I wasn't as down. Now don't get me wrong. Maybe because he looks so damn good uh, that 
our expectations in the bar has risen from him. And, you know, he got hit plenty. Baez is a tough character and all that. So he wasn't at his 100% best. But I got to admit, I didn't see uh, this this really disappointing performance that I, I, I noticed later on on boxing Twitter, saw some YouTube channels talking about it, heard a couple of podcasts say that too, and I thought, I guess I wasn't as down on a leap after this, uh, but it was a competitive fight. Like I said, a really good triple header on Saturday night, Showtime. Yeah, now I thought it was a, for me, that was a setback for Gary Antonio Russell. I actually liked him a lot going in. Yes. I actually thought Santiago, the way he came on, like I said, in the second half, and he really came on strong, really landing good power shots, too, and just, just aggressive, really going for it. And he was doing it long enough in the fight. I, I thought, really, he, he should have gotten the decision in that fight. I mean, I, I didn't think Russell won that fight. Uh, so I, I thought it was a really big setback. You know, maybe he'll be fortunate people forget about it. But uh, I thought he was getting himself in good position, um, you know, for some, considering some of the people PBC have now, and a uh, good opportunity for him on Showtime. You know, he had the previous opportunity with Rodriguez, ended quick in that headbutt, and uh, that looked to me like Rodriguez wanted, didn't want, I mean, Rodriguez didn't want to go forward with the fight with Neary when Neary didn't make the weight initially, and that, that's his right. But he, he looked like he wanted he when he got that headbutt in the first round with the Gary Antonio Russell he looked like he wanted that over <laughs> he didn't have any interest in that going on so just saying like I was looking at Russell as pretty formidable um, and you know I just thought he got pushed around in, in this fight by Santiago and Santiago was landing the better power shots the harder shots looked to me like he did enough to win it didn't get the decision but. I think Russell's going to have to hope that people kind of forget about this performance because uh, I, I thought he was very fortunate to get a win out of it and didn't, didn't look good at all. Uh, the Aleem, now, you know, full disclosure, the Cambo, I was watching Cambosos Lopez at the same time, and, and obviously with the drama that was happening there, uh, I just had to take my focus yeah. off the Aleem fight some. I, I, I like watching things live because I just always feel like I, I just get a better take on it. I've always felt that way. So I really didn't want to miss any of the Cambosos Lopez. So as with Aleem, you know, I, I wasn't focused the full 10 rounds like I normally would be. I did kind of see it like you from what I did see. Didn't think Aleem looked particularly bad or anything. Uh, so I didn't see anything negative but again I wasn't as focused as I usually would have been because of the Cambosos Lopez being on simultaneously and heating up but only only thing I'd note is you know I've liked the way Aleem looked I like him a lot I don't think you know when he came away with here I'm with you any reason to particularly get down on him uh, based on what I've seen but I think what you got to keep in mind with him that people haven't been discussing they kind of forget it with the older with the lower weights even though fighters just like humans, you know, get longer. Athletic lifespans get a little longer with, you know, nu- nutrition, technology, medicine, et cetera. Uh, with that understood, Aleem's kind of old for 122, even though he hasn't had his one big fight Very yet. True. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, when a guy is that age at that weight, you know, you know, he's just, I think even just come 
21, I act, 22. Oh, there you go. I kind of lost you there for a second. You're back now. Okay, I was just going to say, people may not realize, you know, this this is not a 21 or 22-year-old, 122-pound prospect. You know, this, this right. is a guy, you know, who's, uh, you know, getting ready to get on the wrong side of 30 soon. And, uh, you know, for 122 pounds, even though people are defying time a little better than they used to in, in uh, boxing and athletics, still a lot of the rules apply. And, you know, in general, in those lower weights, you're, you're going to have a tougher time, you know, having the impact in your later 20s and your 30s compared to other weights. And, and Aleem's already pretty old for the weight. So, you know, he came away with a win, and he's he's got to hope that PBC can can get him a big 122-pound fight really next. He, he probably needs to get that fight. Yeah, that's a good call. There's, there's no point in there. And, yeah, if they would have gave that to Santiago, yeah, I definitely would not have, uh, you know, definitely wouldn't have um, been complaining about it, that's for sure. Um, so all in all, a really fun weekend. Now, obviously, we have some interesting fights coming up. Um, Devin Haney on paper just because Linares, um, you know, was, was obviously long in the tooth. Um, not that Diaz is like a top five, 135 with a bullet, you know, but he's a he's solid fighter. There's no doubt about it at, at 126, 130, now 135. I'd say on paper it does seem like this is going to be, you know, Haney's biggest test. Some of the things that maybe Linares wasn't able to do, especially down the stretch when he had him hurt, um, JoJo might be able to do. You know, he brings some fairly smart pressure. Um, he, you know, he, he'll definitely like. He's pretty all-purpose per- when it comes to his offensive attack. I mean, he has like many fighters. He he likes you know certain combinations and punches he likes throws. But I did notice. When he's on, anyway, even against a guy like Farmer, uh, that's the thing about Diaz. He's very back and forth, up and down. This performance, great. Not so much I made weight. Then I look good. Then I look mediocre. You know, that that's the thing that we can't forget about JoJo. Um, but, you know, there's certain times in that Farmer and other, you know, fights where even mid-punch he can make it look like it's going to the body. Boom, nice hook to the head. He's a good fighter, solid fighter. I do think this is Devin Haney's toughest test. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I really want to see him, not that I want to see him get hurt, but I want to see if Diaz does land something of note uh, on Haney and how Haney reacts. Because what we saw in the Linares fight, yeah, of course you're going to hold when you're hurt at times. Get it. But it seemed like it was almost like, how many minutes were you hurt? And that's a problem, too, maybe. And the fact that he was, like, ducking down and tackling when it seemed like, all right, dude, you're, are you still hurt now? Because why are you still holding? Um, it was a weird, very amateurish move to me. Like, not the original hold because you're hurt. Not that at all. But that was some excessive 
you know, holding to the point where it felt like, man, did you recoup? Do you have recoupability at the highest level that you need to be an elite fighter? These are things that I hope uh, continue to get answered. How do you how do you see this fight breaking down? Because obviously the jab, some of the length, some of the skill that Haney can bring to the fight, you know, I understand why he's the favorite, but it's not like he spot a lot of top guys. How do you see this one playing out? Well, this one, yeah, I thought Haney's performance against Linares in the ways you described was a bit strange, but I do agree with the people that were saying kind of in his favor that, you know, Linares really wasn't winning a lot of rounds in the fight either. And I think that was true. In other words, you know, there was that weird moment, like you said, when Haney didn't seemed to respond well to getting tagged, but he hung on after that, and the decision was never in doubt. He, he really won the fight easily, except for that moment. Um, but, you know, I we, we expected he would have an even easier time with Linares, who just can't take a shot at all. Kind of was an indictment of, of Haney's power. We are at a point now where Haney is not, you know, with Haney, it's kind of going back and forth. Is this guy going to have some power? Is he going to be just the guy that generally can't score knockouts regularly and doesn't bring that much of a punch? You were, you were kind of going back and forth with him. It's getting pretty clear now. He, he's not that good of a puncher. So that kind of was a strike against him too. But in a sense, I think this is kind of a bridge too far for Jojo Diaz because I was an early promoter of Jojo Diaz fighting Ryan Garcia. I, I'd said that a long while back, not because I thought he'd beat him or anything, just because I thought it would sell really well in California that sure. you know Jojo would would bring all he had, give it all he had, and bring action. You know, I didn't I didn't think he'd beat him. It wouldn't be really a winnable fight for him, but it'd be a big seller, and I think it'd be an action fight. Now, you know, Garcia ended up out of it. He decides, you know, it, it, in a way, it's to his credit. He wants to fight a top contender in Devin Haney at lightweight. but And I'm sure they're not foolish that he, he's getting a good paycheck for it, or I don't think they would have done it. You know, it's, it's probably been worked out well with Hearn and zone that Golden Boy's having him do this, and he's agreeing to do it. But with that said, like, I, I just don't think it's – besides the fact that Haney's not that good of a puncher, I, I just don't think it's a good style matchup for him because Haney's got decent size for the weight. Yeah. He, he's a good boxing skill and goes wrong here for – I mean, at least Ryan Garcia, he's big for the weight, but at least he had been fighting at 130 pounds a little bit. You know, Haney's been a lightweight the whole time, um, good size for the weight. And Diaz, you know, spent the bulk of his career as a featherweight See, I always think the weight gets overrated, but to me, you know, this is a real weight jump. In other words, yeah, he was just fighting at 130, but Diaz, you know, he established his pro career as a featherweight. Now he's fighting as a lightweight. It's just one jump of an original weight class, but that's where it's a real weight jump. So here's where I draw the line. When it's a real original weight class jump, the weight matters. So you look at that as a factor. And Diaz couldn't punch as a featherweight. So I know what you're saying about Haney with the chin and Linares, but this is where this is good for Haney because this is a guy that can't hurt. And I will go that far. I mean, Jojo Diaz, I mean, Haney's chin's 
glass if, if Joe Judge Diaz was going to hurt him at lightweight. But I don't even think Haney's chin's that bad. So, you know, I mean, Joe Joe Diaz, for the most part, wasn't even hurting featherweights. Uh, he's not hurting anybody at 130. And, you know, he, he's certainly not hurting anybody at 135 pounds. So that's off the table. And Haney can box. So, you know, I don't see any path for Diaz to win by knockout. Um, and Diaz, like you said, I like the way you described him. He, he can put intelligent pressure on. He really first started doing that more with the Gary Russell fight. Did it well. Yep. Lost a competitive fight. Clearly lost in a competitive fight. But you know, you look at him coming up and his amateur career. He was a U.S. Olympian. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of boxing skill. You know, really at, at heart, he's a boxer. He's been doing the pressure thing more since the Russell fight. It works for him. I mean, it is entertaining. But the problem with, with when he does that, he's not defensively irresponsible or taking unnecessary shots when he does it because he's got skill, but he can't punch. So, you know, when, when you have a guy who's putting pressure on that can't punch, I mean, you got to be then like a volume machine. And he's really not that, you know, he's more of a guy that's got, he's got boxing skill and he throws, but, you know, he has to back off. You know, you watch his fights closely, you know, like you said, he went kind of up and downs. Like he'll, he'll have the spurts when he throws that look good. And then he's got to back off. You know, you saw that in that Rockamall fight. I mean, I, I, I thought the draw was fair. I didn't think he lost it, but you know, he, he has his good moments where, where he, he throws and, and then he has to back off a little bit. So, in other words, you know, he, he's not like a swarming pressure fighter even when he puts the pressure on. He's going to be throwing some, throwing some body shots, but he's not going to be hurting you. And he's not one of those guys that's like a hurricane, you know. So, you know, if he was one of those guys, you might think, well, maybe if Haney's a little off or something and, and, and he, he can just out-hustle him. But to me, Diaz isn't even that. So, and I like him. Don't get me wrong. I like the guy, but he's that lightweight now again bulk of his career at a featherweight first big fight was as a featherweight against Gary Russell Jr. Now he's taken on a, a legit lightweight in Devin Haney. I think that is a big size and power disadvantage for him. Now he's tough. He, he's shown a good chin already, even though he's going up to lightweight. I don't think Haney's going to hurt him. Uh, Haney hasn't shown that kind of power so far, even with Jojo moving up. So I, I just see this fight being a clear distance decision win for Haney. JoJo has shown he'll give it all he's got. He's a, he is an entertaining fighter, and he's got skill. He'll, he'll give it – got to go with the British term. JoJo's going to give this one a go. And that's what I thought he'd yeah. do against Ryan Garcia. He'll, he'll give it a go, but, but he's not going to win. So uh, I think decision, decision Haney on this one. Yeah, I agree. As long as Haney's not trying to, you know – um, well, not prove a point. Of course, he's trying to prove a point, but like not trying to get too loose with it and try to, you know, do something that's out of his character. I don't see him doing that, by the way. And just the re- just the the skill level and the reach alone, seventy one to sixty, like six or sixty four. Yeah. Like Diaz has some short ass arms, and exactly. uh, I just don't think you know the skill, the the foot movement, the hand speed, the jab. I just don't think he's going to be able to, you know, I don't think Haney's going to be there to be, you know, beaten up in the trenches and all that. I don't see that at all. I'm with you. I think Haney wins comfortably, but it is, you know, it is a good measuring stick. Uh, He's coming off a good win. You know, like you said, especially in the second half, uh, he did look good against Diaz or 
look good against Russell. He won some rounds late in that fight, but um, and that was his big first major step up. And you know, he's kind of up and down all around. He does have weight issues, like I mentioned. So um, yeah, I agree. I think, but it's really cool that Diaz took this fight when he had the Ryan Garcia fight there for a second. A lot of people will be like, oh, I'm just going to wait for the Ryan Garcia fight. And, you know, and also, shots out to, you know, to zone Eddie Hearn for putting up the money to make it match, and you know, I think a little over what he was going to get. So it guaranteed, hey, it's a legit yep. fight and a legit offer. So we got to, you know. Cause, right. And it was kind of thrown together pretty fast, you know. Considering. Oh, so. definitely. I, no, I think that's. What, I agree. I think that's an excellent point. It's good what Dazone and Hearn did to give Diaz the money where he didn't make a business decision to pass on us and wait for Garcia. Um, because, as you pointed out, you know, I, I was just thinking about it a little more. You know, I, and I was wondering, but you know, you're right. I mean, Diaz is in the lightweight top ten of transnational. You know, in the back half of it, but but he earned it. He's in there. You know, Haney's at the top part. And, you know, Linares, you know, he had gone to 140, gotten KO'd in one. You know, he, he was not he was not a legit top ten guy uh, at the time he fought Haney. He hadn't, he hadn't worked his way back in. And uh, this is, in other words, really on paper, uh, in actuality, this is Haney's toughest test in terms of what how a fighter is regarded going into a fight with him. So so it is, it is a good fight like that, and it's too legitimate – top 10 lightweights at this point. So uh, that's good. Anytime we get a fight like that, that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. We talked about how, okay, well, we basically kind of, it feels like we almost have the quarterfinals at lightweight going on right now. You know, yeah. spreading around these quarterfinals, and hopefully we can get some semifinals and finals. Uh, and like you said, we got a, we got a late entry into the tournament, and his name is uh, George Cambosas. And he's yeah. now got a high seat in the tourney, too. He must right. have known somebody or something like that because uh, we can't count him out. So, obviously, Sunday night, Gervonta Davis and Isaac, what is it? What is it? Isaac? What, what yeah, is it? It's, it's, yeah, it's Isaac. He actually pronounces it Isaac Cruz. I sometimes forget Isak. that myself. Yeah, for some reason. I remember I had it after maybe his last fight, and I just forgot how to say Isak Cruz. Um, you know, that's obviously the main event. Uh, the undercard, you know, Eduardo Ramirez and Miguel Mariaga opens it up. Uh, Derevanchenko and Adamas. I'm really looking forward to that fight. Uh, and then Fundora and Garcia, you know, there's plenty to say about the main event as far as, uh, you know, should this type of main event not just be, it should be on just Showtime or whatever instead of pay-per-view. And I get that, um, that part of it. I totally understand that. Um, you know, it is what it is. It's the nature of the business right now. Uh, and like you said, Espinosa and company and CBS as well, they're not, you know, they're obviously making a little buck on this, you know what I mean? And, and, hey, these type of, you know, sometimes this helps the budget in general so we maintain this good schedule, too. So I guess that plays into it. So I can understand how people on the outside go, you know what? Cruz had a nice knockout, like a surprising knockout over Magdanello, and then he looked 
mediocre and and what what's this being on pay per view? I get that part, but the fact that pay you know the fact is the reality is pay per views here and it ain't going anywhere. So at least they hooked up the undercard. I'll say that, and there are going to be you know Javante does bring in some form of like hey I just like Javante and like three other guys type of uh, semi casual maybe the common fan. Not necessarily the casual casual like we talk about, but the common fan who, I'm going to watch, you know, six to ten fights a year, but Gervonta's my guy, so I'm going to at least stream it. Um, but I will say this, they did hook up the undercard. I mentioned earlier, it's starting a, an hour early because it's on Sunday. Um, the SEC Championship, which starts at 3 Central, um, 4 Eastern, that's on CBS. Number one, Georgia. Number one, Alabama. I really hope that we get a commercial for this fight during that. And CBS NFL Sunday, they can run commercials there. So I get some of this. Uh, like I said, going head-to-head on a Sunday night with football. We'll see how that works. But by the time 10 o'clock rolls around my time central, if that game is not a game, the ratings aren't going to go up from there. They're only going to go down. So maybe there is a, if you get in right when the fight ends, you do have like 15 or 17 million homes watching. So maybe they're, they're trying to get something off that too. I don't know exactly, but the Sunday, you know, we've now run into a couple of these Sundays. And, and you know, back in the day, it could be a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Some of the biggest fights that people go, really? That was on a Thursday? That was on a Tuesday? That was on a... No, yeah, dude, it was midweek, you know, type of stuff. Yeah. But I, I'm glad that they hooked up the undercard with entertaining fights. Um, but as far as Isak Cruz goes, you know, once again, it's a quarterfinal. I think I think we got to realize that a lot of people don't know this guy, but it is a quarterfinal type 135 fight. Who knows what's next? But this isn't some run-of-the-mill complete chump or anything that they just, uh, you know, he was going to be on this undercard anyway, which I do think that's very smart. When You know, we had to do that during COVID a lot. Showtime had the backup um, opponents. This really helps because he was already in camp. But as far as just stylistically, I think this has a chance to be a banger. And I think maybe in the first couple rounds, we're actually going to see a tad bit kind of like we did for different reasons um, in the last fight with Tank, we might see a more responsible, maybe trying to show his skills a little bit and see what this cruise is going to bring before they just bang it out. Um, how do you see this fight playing out? And uh, Cruz does pack a punch, and he's coming to take your lunch. You know, he really is. He's trying to beat you up. Uh, we'll see if it works. It is going to be funny that he's actually, what, was it Gamboa? This might be his first or second guy that's shorter than Tank, because Tank's a small guy for his weight class, height-wise. Yeah, I think, you know, first, you got to look at the pay-per-view part. I, I see it basically like like you do on this one. Um, you know, it's, it's a fight that, in an ideal world, it, it should be a Showtime card, you know, just on regular show time, but, you know, and you don't like the 74, 95, but I got to admit, as this card's been, been coming closer, uh, you know, the Sunday night thing is a more watched night of TV. It's when people settle in for TV. 
Uh, that's how that got started in the U.S., and, and it's still the most watched night of TV. So even with NFL on, and, you know, people have already seen two games that day or if they wanted to see two games. So even though the Sunday night's the primetime game, I mean, you, you, you've already seen a lot of football that day. So I think it works like that. I, I've found myself looking more forward to this card uh, than I thought when they got it signed uh, with the Sunday night thing. I don't like having to pay for it, but – uh, they put a they put an excellent undercard together, and I'm really looking forward to it now because in the main event, you know, kind of picking up with what you said, you know, I, I think the, there's kind of two things that intrigue me about the matchup. First, at least Isak Cruz is a legit top ten lightweight, so he's no chump in that sense. Uh, you know, he brings power. Anytime you get in with a guy with power, even if you're a big favorite, that's a little more dangerous. Uh, because we know boxing can always change with one shot. And the fact that I think in the last two fights, and I've said this when we talked about Cruz going into those fights, uh, I just think he didn't get the, the bigger knockouts because he was fighting taller guys. They were in more of a survival mode. It's not going to be the case with Gervonta Davis. Of course, he's much better than those guys, but he's a shorter guy himself. So Cruz doesn't have to punch up in this fight. So, I think if Cruz doesn't get caught first and, you know, he actually is in position to start throwing some of his bombs, I think his bombs are going to land with more authority. So I think, you know, Javante Davis has tremendous power and speed. I think he's always going to be looking to take you out. But I think you're right. I mean, I think he's probably going to start this fight out boxing a little bit. And then, you know, it's going to be a question of, you know, can Cruz then just get off his bombs before he takes too many hard shots himself? And that makes it exciting. It looks like it could be a really exciting start to this fight. I mean, I, I could see this fight ending in, in a round or two, but, but being an exciting round or two, because I think Davis is, you know, five, five and a half and Cruz is what maybe five, four, but I mean, Cruz is going to have to be punching way up on Davis. So if he gets close to him and he unloads, I think he's, he's capable of hurting Davis. So that makes it interesting to me. The thing, the thing that, you know, I'm going to kind of stick to my own take on this, but I think it's, it's been kind of proven out with, with Davis with some other fights, with the weight, and like we just talked about Lopez, and when he hasn't looked as good. Now, maybe that's been at 130, but still, that's years ago, and he's even older now, and he just fought at 140. I, I think I love fights in the traditional weight classes. You know, PBC's got a lot of welterweight money. You know, I know Davis is short for the weight, but he's got the speed. I think his power carries. He's already 27 years old. I don't think his style is a style of longevity. Uh, I I think he's a guy that is relying on speed, explosiveness. He's not tall. He, he, to me, needs to get his biggest money fights now. So what I'm getting to is where I see a possible mistake. We're going to obviously find out Sunday night. Uh, but in the analysis of it, I mean – Coming down in weight, a guy like Davis, you know, after he's been at 140, he had problems making the 130 at times, looked terrible in that Fonseca fight when he had weight problems. Fonseca went with him much longer than he should have. And that was a blown opportunity because that was on the Mayweather-McGregor undercard. Um, so, you know, this seems to be now he's headlined a pay-per-view where he's coming down in weight to lightweight. And, and this, to me, is, is also 
and I think this really is part of it. I mean, this is a, a, a crazy over-reliance, again, on the alphabet stuff. I mean, because I really don't see much of another reason. If it wasn't for that, you'd do it at a catch weight or something. In other words, Davis is, get, is cutting all the way. Yeah, he's cut. I don't think this point's That's a really good point. Yeah, well, stay t- still gonna, take the fight, you know. Rollies right. would have taken it if it was 138 or something. That's exactly. I mean, Cruz is going to take the flight. I mean, you can make it a again nowadays with stuff. You can make it a 180, 138 and a half pound 12 round fight or something. You know, headline or 12 rounds. But to just, I mean, because they really are. And I and Stephen Espinosa, to his credit, has admitted he knows this. I mean, and he's the head of Showtime Boxing. You know, to just have to sell the fight with this WBA world lightweight title which is wba regular which come on they're all a joke but this is even a bigger joke it, it just is let's yeah. face it. it's nothing against tank davis's ability but it just is to go yeah. to feel a need to go with that as a marketing tool for the fight to make him which with that as a marketing tool at least going into sunday now let's see because what happened saturday because you know it wouldn't shock you with this because let's face it the, the wba world doesn't mean squat, you know, the WBA regular world lightweight title when, when you know right. Cambosos camp. So, you know, like, like in other words, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world, even though some people would go crazy, but who cares about that belt anyway? Like if, if they, I'd be more care about the competitiveness if it affected Cruz, but like, you know, it, it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world. I'm getting ready for this kind of thing. You know, it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world for, for Davis to weigh 137 on Saturday or something like that, and the, and the WBA world go, regular goes out the window. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I want to get ready for possible scenarios. I'm just saying I think this, I think this going down in weight, which really just can't be justified other than for this WBA world thing, because, again, even if you were going to target the other lightweights, you could still fight this fight at 138 and a half or something like that. So, I don't, I don't that I, I am going to say that even if it works, I think that's a mistake. I don't think that's worth the risk of this WBA regular world thing as a marketing chip. So I think that's where maybe there's an opportunity for Cruz. You know, if Davis does have problems now cutting back down to 135, in other words, maybe he makes it and, and he is just weight drained. It, it's not impossible him coming up coming off of a fight where he fought at 140 against Barrios, I, I thought he'd be going in the other direction at age 27. So I'm looking at that too. I mean, is, you know, he is in a Lopez position to me here. I mean, is that, is there trouble making this weight? You know, what, what's the camp like? And, and you know, then maybe if somehow Cruz survives early and, and, you know, he gives Davis a tough fight and starts going later, you know, does that start, start playing a role so I'm, I'm looking at that too I mean I would think just on the skill levels of the two and because Davis has the power and the speed and better boxing skill that Davis will knock him out early in the first few rounds but maybe there's a chance Cruz makes it exciting by landing a bomb before that uh, that's probably the way I see this going but I am I, I I think with Gervonta, Gervonta Davis, you got to look at the weight thing, especially coming off of 140. Because, again, it, it was the WBA regular stuff, and, Bar- and Barrios, good opponent. But, you know, part, part of – got to figure part of the fight in that 140 was to not have to make the lower weight again. I mean, they don't talk about that, those reasons. But, 
you got to figure that was part of it. So to go back down the lightweight now, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that that part could be the X factor here, and we're just going to have to see what goes on at the scales on Saturday before, or, and maybe start hearing about the camp and the weight cut before we get an idea for that. But you know, as far as Cruz goes, we haven't heard about any problems with him making the weight uh, in the past. So um, I think it's likely that Davis is going to get an early knockout. That'll probably be exciting, but he'll probably have to use his head moving box a little bit more, make sure Cruz doesn't land one of those big shots on him first, but Cruz has got enough power and he's not going to be punching up. It's a, it's a guy more his size. Uh, That's going to make it interesting as long as it lasts. It's interesting because um, I I don't think, I'm not sure if the 140 was about weight. I think it was just about being able to say, hey, uh, to people that don't know that 140 is unified or undisputed, that, you know, he could say now he's a three-weight champion. But I do see your point about going back down. Now, I'll say this. In the last couple of weigh-ins, one was 130 for Leo Santa Cruz last October. Right. The next one. The next one was 140. I know that the last few weigh-ins, he has even showed people the weight early. And obviously a scale is – it wasn't the official scale. So, but, but the point is he's making that weight uh, at least 135. Uh, he's just more uh, disciplined, basically, it sounds like. However, so my point is if it was just – the 140 was just about weight, they probably would be doing this as a catch weight now. You know what I mean? But – you make a good point about going up, feeling healthy uh, at that weight, and then going back down. That That is a good point. Now, he did the 135 to 130 before, and he, he looked pretty good there against Cruz. Uh, but, yeah, it's something to – you know, it does seem like on the outside, but we don't know until they step on the scale, are we? A lot of fighters can tell you this and that, and the camp went great, this and that, and all of a sudden, you know, they're shoulder surgery after the fight. And you're like, oh. Or something was wrong with their knee and they couldn't do, you know, they couldn't run as long. So they did have problems making the weight or discipline. It does seem like he's he's turning the corner on discipline and weight and all that. But in the same breath, the going back down, that that might that might dip in. Um, and like you said, we won't know till Friday. Um, and I I, I got to just like you, I, I don't see this fight going past six rounds. Um I, I think it could be a quick knockout. I also think it could just be two and a half rounds and just fun-ass big shots, and then boom, uh, you know, Davis knocks him out. But I do think, like we both mentioned, that we're going to see a little bit more skill. Um, not that we don't see skill out of tank, but a little bit more patience, a little bit more tactical, moving his head, like you said, being on the move, trying to set up shop. And... and it's funny because I remember when he went to um, he went to the UK after his big win um, against Pedraza, and he actually against Pedraza at times he actually did show, but it was one of the Walsh brothers, Liam Walsh, and that was a quick fight, right? But I'll say this: I did actually. That's probably I'm thinking back Pedraza that one and. There's not too many. Well, you know the Quayar, he actually did set that up and go to the body, but it but he wasn't like moving around and stuff like that. But 
That's the only fight I can really think where he tried to show the other parts of his game. And I think just with this style, I think you're going to have to do that for at least a round or two to just see what the hell Cruz is going to bring and, and try to time him and everything. And it's not like, uh, you know, we could say, oh, he's short arm too. But, you know, it's not like Tank has got a 73-inch reach or nothing like that. So I think it's just going to be one of those just bang it out, fun fights to watch once it heats up. Um, but one of the, a couple of the undercard fights I'm looking forward to as well. Um, I do wonder where we're at with Derevinchenko. You know, he took this time off and, and I think he needed it because he had been in a pretty tough fight with Jacobs, a war with Golovkin, took a lot of shots against uh, Charlo, you know, so I think Derevinchenko's at that point of his career where you're like, hmm, let's make sure that he's going to be okay here because, you know, how much did it basically take out of him, all these tough fights, um, you know, losing competitive fights. Some people thought he, he did enough to beat Golovkin. I thought he cleanly lost to Charlo, but still, he was in the fight and whatnot. The Cloquet fight he was winning and then Cloquet you know made a run back he ended up you know it was a split decision with Jacobs and even before that to an extent um you know he's taken some shots there's no doubt about it so he's been off for a while um so that's good but then again like I said I just I kind of want to know where he's at whereas the guy he's fighting um Adamas he did fight in the summer obviously we know he lost to Teixeira in a very competitive fight. Um, he's fought basically just bets there. So I do favor Derevichenko, but there is a chance that he could just be a little worn torn, a little, little, you know, long between the two. Even though he's not the super old guy, he doesn't have a bunch of fights, but he's fought a lot of talent. And also, Fundura and Garcia I can't wait for that. And that's the a WBC junior middleweight uh, eliminator to fight Erickson Lubin. Whoever wins this fight is going to fight Lubin, and then whoever wins that fight is the new mandatory at WBC for 154. So sign me up for all that stuff. Yeah, this this undercard is, is really good for what we get nowadays on pay-per-view especially. I like all the fights. I mean, Derevich, Vianchenko, and Adames, I like this one a lot. Adamas, you know, started out as a welterweight, then he'd been fighting at 154, now he's going to fight at middleweight. But he's a strong guy, and he always had trouble making the weight at welterweight. Um, he's got good power. He's strong. I actually think, you know, when I saw this sign, I thought, yeah, he can he can handle this weight. I mean, you know, it is a full weight class jump now for him, like I talked with about Jojo Diaz, because he fought the – the bulk of his early career as a welterweight. He's been at 154 for a while, but now he's at middleweight. So he, he's jumped basically a full original weight class. But he's a strong guy with power, so I think he can do that. Barry Vianchenko, even though he has also, people forget, early in his career, not only did he not fight at 154, he fought, fights at super middleweight, 168, but he settled in as a middleweight. So he, he's not tall. Uh, for the weight, he's short for the weight, but but he's uh, he's always been a, a, a strong guy in that sense. Where you know, he's fought at middleweight, one sixty eight, but but he has, he's not a real tall guy. So again, Adamas moving up, 
He doesn't have to worry about a big height disadvantage. So I'm not that concerned about that in this one. But I think, you know, Darius Vyanchenko, I'm looking at what you're looking at. I mean, the concern is he took a lot of shots against Jacobs. He took a lot of shots against Golovkin. I did think he, he did enough to win that fight, even though he got dropped. That knockdown probably was the difference. Uh, but, I, but I thought he did do enough to beat Golovkin. Uh, he really punished Golovkin to the body in that fight. And then Charlo clearly beat him. He took a lot of shots, but he overcame a rough start to make that fight, you know, really competitive, but clearly lost, but it was competitive, but took a lot of shots in those three fights against tough opposition. And even though he hasn't had a lot of official straight out pro fights, he had a lot of fights in the world series of boxing, which was kind of like a way for people that wanted to stay amateur, just have pro fights. So, and, and you know, he's in his mid thirties. So, you do have to watch that the odometer has expired for him. That's that's a concern. Probably the main concern going into this one because Adamas can punch. I think he'll even be able to carry power up to middleweight. Uh, and Derek Vianchenko, you know, he was dropped against Jacobs, was dropped against Golovkin, was dropped against Charlo. So uh, I think with it, Adamas is going to be a guy looking for a knockout here, and, and that's his path to win. But – Darvin Vianchenko, he's always had that nickname, the technician. I think it's appropriate because he is a really skilled guy, even though he's not a real tall, moving boxer kind of guy. There's a lot of sub- subtle skills to what he does. One of the things that I think when you watch him, you really got to look at that you don't see with, with every fighter is, I mean, the, the dude can throw about every punch in the book well. So uh, the technician name fits appropriately. And even though he takes shots, he's got a sound defense. He's not reckless defensively or anything like that. But I just think his his skill level, amateur pedigree, uh, punch variety, Adama's not overly skilled. He's kind of a strong power guy. Uh, not a lot of not a lot of skill. Not a real lot of skill there. Uh, so I, I think Dervayenchenko is going to end up having too much skill for him. And he should be able to work a decision, I think. There are Vyanchenko's power's not bad. Uh, he's not a huge knockout puncher, but he's not bad either. Probably has enough to hurt Adamus, but Adamus is strong. I, I think I think I'm looking at a distance fight here with Derry Vyanchenko having a little too much skill and winning a decision. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, we do have a, another Spaniard. A lot of a lot of folks are like, "Hey, watch out for this Spaniard coming in." Just ask Mikey Garcia, uh, Sergio Garcia, thirty-three and 14 KOs. But um, you know, I mean, second to last guy he fought, not much there. You know, the, he has he, Rabichenko, um, Ted Cheeseman. I think a couple of years ago, I remember that one. Actually, let me look here. But even before Cheeseman, it was like he was, you know, they were, he was still in development mode. Um, man, the scorecards were all over the place on that one. Two 119-109s and a 115-114. I forgot about that. But I do remember watching those two fights of him. Um, he's pretty green to an extent. But, you know, to be honest, it's not like, Fundora's fought like just the top level guys or whatever, but you know, he's been in there with the Gallimores and the Cotto and, uh, or Cota and, uh, Jamani Clark was a good, um, fight for him. So, you know, he's definitely, um, you know, had his ups and downs. He did take that draw. Like I mentioned that happened actually here at the armory. Um, how do you see that one playing out? Do you like Fundora just to kind of outwork him and, and it just be a spirited fight? It's, 
until he kind of overwhelms him? Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big believer in Fundora. I, I really like the development, and he, he likes to fight in an entertaining style. But what's very unique and dangerous about him, and I really can't think of any fighter like him. I mean, as long as I've been watching boxing, it makes it intriguing. You know, where he's devastating is he, he gets up close to you, um, and, you know, he's got that, you, you just actually do have to say, just freakish height for the division, but what he does is he's not like a he's not like a Thomas Hearns uh, where where he you know he uses the jab and then uh, from the outside he gets all that leverage on his punches like a whip but what he's been doing in recent fights that's devastating is he does something different I've never seen before he gets up close to you and then he gets he gets tremendous leverage on the uppercuts just rip ripping him up with all that leverage with that height, he's got like a whip, and and you just see guys just crumbling. You know, when he hits them with those shots, you can see the, the legitimate effect. And he's gotten better and better at doing that. And I think it's going to take somebody really good to withstand that the way he's going right now. And a lot of knowledgeable European boxing fans I've seen really even a couple of years ago they they like Garcia a lot. And I got to admit, you know, with the Sandor Martin. Uh, and then, you know, just Kiko Martinez with the Galahad, you, you, you are taking Spanish boxing a little more seriously than you might have uh, before that. So, you know, it, it is a bit of an eye-opener. you got to be fair. But I just I just think, you know, some people aren't a believer. So, But I am a believer in what Fondora is doing. It's something very unique. Never really seen it before, but I'm a believer in it. Uh, he, he just He's just leaning – coming at opponents with volume, but he's getting leverage on those shots that he's whipping up with that height he's got. And uh, fighters are sorry. They're just not withstanding it. I mean, you know, he's the only guy to stop Gallimore. You know, Gallimore came back with a good win after that. So, uh, you know, Gallimore, it turns out, was not, you know, people are saying, well, you know, he, he's done. That's why Fondora stopped him. He, he was just at the end of the road, but he came back with a good win. So he, he wasn't done. Uh, and, it you know, it was a stoppage win. So, you know, he's the only guy that stopped Gallimore. And, uh, you know, Gallimore's very tough and can take a shot. And uh, he got he got Gallimore out of there. So I think you got to really take that seriously. Um, you know, like, for example, I would submit – and, you know, again, we just talked – I just talked about the Spanish. you you got to – with what Cambosos just did, you have to even make a – you have to even take maybe a deeper look at a Tim Zhu – you know, he hasn't fought any punchers yet, but his offense looks good. And, you know, seeing what Cambosos did, you say, hey, maybe maybe you've got to look at Zoo even a little bit more than, than we were. Uh, but why I'm mentioning him is that, you know, I don't I don't think Zoo's gotten anybody out of there as tough as Gallimore. And, you know, Fondura got Gallimore out of there. But I, I don't see people taking Fondura's offense serious enough. What, considering that factor, so I I think it's going to be a coming out performance for Fundora on a pay per view here. Uh, I think he's going to get Garcia out of there doing what he's been doing. I just don't think I think Garcia, even if he's good, he's not. I don't think he's good enough to hold off Fundora from from doing that. I think it's going to take somebody better than him. Um, and you know, you mentioned possibly that the winner is going to fight Lubin, and if it is. Fundora, I'm, I'm not sold on Lubin's chin. Um, you know, 
not just because of the Charlo fight. He also got buckled by Gaucher, who's not a puncher, uh, even, even though he does have a good knockout win recently. Still, you, you watch his entire career, he's definitely not a puncher. So, you know, I think that's that's tough for Lubin, you know, if he's going to be in there. with But one fight at a time. I, I think Fondor is going to, going to make a statement here against an undefeated opponent. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's fun to watch. He, he's entertaining whenever he gets in there. So that's good about being under this undercard. And then Ramirez and Mariaga. Uh, Ramirez really been coming on lately with the power. Looks good. Looks like a late bloomer type of guy. And uh, Mariaga's got some power, but not much else. That'll be fun while it lasts, but Ramirez should get him out of there. So, a lot to look forward to on this card Sunday night. Um, I, I find myself, I don't like having to pay for it, but I, I do really find myself looking forward to it. Yeah, it is one of those things that, in a, I mean, I think people forget, you know, not just in the 2000s, some of these, I mean, Roy Jones and Bobby Gunn was on paper. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's so there's fights that, that I think people forget that did under a hundred thousand in the nineties that you just don't realize they weren't either around or they weren't paying attention or whatever. But there's some fights that you go, really? That was, why would they do that? It's like I, I hear you, but I mean, there's there's you know, I mean, we got up to twelve or thirteen. I think was the highest point that we got. Um, I think that was just HBO actually. So we probably were more in the. Probably higher than that uh, in one of those years. I can't remember if it was 2006 or whatever, which year that was, 2005. Anyway, there's a lot of pay-per-views out there that are, like, pretty bad. So I do like that. Obviously, Cruz isn't going to cost a whole lot. And so why not? Okay, dude, this isn't, uh, this isn't somebody that, you know, he's just starting to, like, if you're a PB, if you're if you watch Javante, if you've watched some of these PBC fights, Maybe it snuck in there. They, they were, he was on the Charlo card, right? Or was he on the – maybe he was on the Santa Cruz. Yeah, he was on the Santa Cruz card. That's what it was. Santa Cruz uh, tank. Yeah. That's what it was. On that one. Um, and I don't know. It just – it just it makes me laugh when people, like, complain all you want. Don't buy it all you want. Stream it. Do whatever you're going to do. But these same – people will be buying Bobby Gunn and Roy Jones, you know, and it's like, dude, you bought Bobby Gunn and Roy, you know, like, come on, man, like, just don't, you know, but uh, they did hook up the undercard, and we always ask them to, we always ask them to do this, and then we're not going to sit here and be like, well, I don't care, I don't like the main event now, because if the main event pops off and it's a four to six rounder, that just, and then the undercard, I got news for you come early next week, we're going to be happy paid customers. You know what I mean? And that's just how it goes. So um, it is what it is. You know, if you don't think tanks should be on, you know, pay-per-view, then don't buy it. It's pretty basic. Um, any other items that you want to um, talk about? This was a nice long segment. Thanks for staying on long. Um, obviously we had a lot to talk about. Yeah. No problem. Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've gone back and forth. I think we're back to where we were in the, you know, to me, the pay-per-view thing was just increasing to where it got too far up to around 2015, where PBC tried to reverse things by, you know, getting things onto network TV, trying to rebuild. And now we're kind of going back to when we had all those pay-per-views. So, I mean, I agree that, you know, this is kind of where we were back in 2015 and it had been building up since, 
really about 1990, 1991, steadily up to that point. So we're kind of back there now. Like, but, but, yeah, I always do feel like, like you said, when they give you an undercard, you kind of feel like, okay. I mean, I, as a hardcore boxing follower, that is what I'm asking for. I want that. I don't, I don't feel as ripped off when, you know, they're trying to give me an undercard at least. So, and like you said, then if the main event's great, then people talk about that. But uh, we're good. That that only other thing to talk about. Talk about it a lot, but uh, probably it's coming up a lot this week uh, in the boxing news. I mean, the, when when the alphabet stuff's insane, and you know the alphabet stuff's insane. Don't try to sort it out. The answer is to ignore the alphabets. I mean, I, I just think it's pretty simple. I mean, don't try to decipher. Don't try to decipher WBC franchise from WBC world or WBA regular from from WBA super. Just ignore the alphabets. I mean, there's there's no sense, and you, know, you just maybe talk about it in terms of why a fight might be partially happening because of some alphabet mandatory order or something, but put, put, put that in the bottom of your article or something like that. And, and just, just ignore the alphabet stuff. I mean, it's try intelligent people trying to make sense of it is, is just crazy. I mean, for, there, there's no sense, no sense to be made of it. So uh, I'm, I'm always going to be on the side of ignore the alphabets, but, uh, I think this pay-per-view, at least entertainment, you know, entertainment value, Sunday night looks pretty good. I mean, the Jake Paul things have been entertaining. You got that coming up. And I didn't like it at first either, but now I'm thinking, add eh, New Year's Day, all heavyweights, quote-unquote discounted price. I mean, uh, I'll, I'm probably going to probably gonna end up reluctantly being all in on these. All right. Well, enjoy the uh, weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Chris, thanks for having me as always. Enjoy the fight. Yes, sir. Take it easy. Take care. Yeah. All righty. Um, man. Oh, by the way, I did mean to – anyone listening uh, locally, and I do mean Minnesota, um, or, you know, it could be the five-state region, the upper Midwest, right? <laughs> I'll tell my friends, like, from other parts of the country, the five-state region. Like, what the fuck is that? It's the Dakotas, north and south, which obviously should just be one. Well, it should be the Dakotas, you know, land, but, you know, that's further, right? And then it's Iowa and Wisconsin. Anyway, there is this um, show coming up this weekend, if you're here uh, locally in the cities, at the Armory. I bring this up December 4th. It's at the Armory. And I bring this up. It's called I Am Legend. It's the I Am Legend Tour starring um, Rick Ross and Jeezy. Okay, and also it has two chains. Now, I'm bringing this up because all the ticket proceeds from this event will go to the Circle of Discipline to help the youth. And the Circle of Discipline is a local gym. They actually just got a new spot in Minneapolis. And um, it's Jamal James. You know, if you ever hear, you know, COD, COD during the fights, that's the circle of discipline. And it's obviously a gym you want to keep going, but, he, you know, he's, he's got a major youth movement here, and he really is helping the city with this thing. And the city needs as much help as it can get right now. So, like I said, if you're in town, you know, the tickets aren't crazy. If you like hip-hop, you got Jeezy, you got 2 Chains, and Rick Ross. 
and it's like I said, it, it literally all the ticket proceeds from the event go to Circle of Discipline, which is just uh, dope. Really, really cool. So um, just wanted to put that out there because um, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's great. It's great like that. Okay, so I'm going to get to, let's see. Um, did I, what was I going to do? I like Fundora. Fundora is going to win the fight. I basically like all the favorites. I just think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun undercard. Um, I hope anyway. You know that that's what I'm hoping. That's the that's the big hope. Um, other than that, there is some news that I'll get to. I'll see if Portland um, wants to talk, and uh, I'll actually send something to him right now. And so I'll go over a little bit of fight news. I was mentioning earlier in the show that, you know, Japan just put on a, a travel ban, right? They did put on a travel ban. And a lot of people are thinking, you know, now Golovkin and Mungia is not going to happen, you know? And that may be. Now, there has, there was, like, there was still a travel ban, but you can get, like, a, not a special exemption, like an athlete's exemption. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know where it exactly stands per se, but there was a fighter that's fighting over there soon, and he was able to get in there, okay? So maybe that fight is not a done, done thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think if Golovkin's even 85%, I think he wins that fight. But there was some other uh, – I just can't remember the guy's name. I, I just – I don't know why. It's just something – I can't I can't remember the damn name. But there was also a fight recently made on uh, Japanese New Year, which is usually a big date for them, and they're hoping he can go over. So, uh, you know, let, let's hope. Let's hope that that, that gets done because um, – you know, that would be, that would be, you know, we need, we, we need these fights to keep going because we want that fight to finally happen. And then whoever wins can, you know, hopefully fight some other middleweights. I don't know. Speaking of though, the WBC WBO, like I mentioned, this is uh, official that they have declared um, that the unified champion Fulton, We'll have a singular, it sounds funny, singular joint mandatory. So the WBO and WBC both have Danny, Daniel, Danny Roman as their number one guy. So they're, they're basically first action of boxing sanctioning bodies starting to work together to not overload unified champions with multiple mandatories. So that is kind of cool. You know, they usually say, oh, you, you got a year now before your next one. Well, for the WBO and WBC, that'll be taken care of. So that is kind of dope. Plus, it's a good-ass fight. Now, obviously, that can be, you know, that can be tampered with. That can be a little funky because it goes off ratings and rankings and all that, that stuff. So what, what's that actually mean moving forward? Will it help sometimes? I think it will. Other times, eh, not so much. Um, in fact, Andre... Remember, uh, oh boy, Aleem Kanali or whatever? Um, 
Canella Canelli, he just fought not long ago. He put in um, a request to become the manager for Andre, and what do you know? The WBO has made him the middleweight. Uh, they're they're they called for the fight, which is kind of weird. Not that I don't like the fight or whatever, and you know more than likely Andre wasn't going to get a big fight anyway, unfortunately, but. Liam, wasn't Liam Williams, like, in April, his mandatory? Like, that part of it's weak. Hey, it may turn out to be a good fight, but that part of it's like, really? I mean, so he, so in less than a year, he's going to call another mandatory? Hopefully it's a good fight. Um, Madrimov and Soro, WBA eliminator on December 17th, the zone. That's going to be a good fight. I do like that fight. Oh, here's a big one, guys. Amir Khan and Kell Brook. It's official. February 19th. Is that Sky Sports? I think it's Sky Sports. I think it's Sky Sports. Um, Portland, let me know if you're ready, okay? I did text you. Let me know if you're uh, if you want to jump in. If not, you're busy at work. That's cool, too. I get it. Um Oh, here, yeah, I meant to say this. So there was some folks, um, and I mean media folks, not fans. I'm not going to rip fans for this at all. That's not their job to know. But there was multiple media folks that were trying to pile on uh, the Teofima Lopez side about the rematch clause. No rematch clause. Major, like, how could you let that happen, you know? Um, actually, someone sent me this text. This was Michael Woods saying, I text Davis uh, McWater asking if there's a rematch clause. I'm guessing there isn't because he didn't text me back. I need to hear why. But that's a bad rookie mistake if no. Person with leverage always gets what they want with those clauses. But he then got it cleared up because there is, when you go to, like, don't confuse it with a mandatory, right? Well, mandatories don't don't have rematch clauses. That's not true. In the first example, people are going to say, well, look at Usyk. Usyk was a mandatory, and he had to do a rematch clause. The difference is it's a purse bid. And as we know, it's well known, it went to purse bid. So there is no rematch clause because someone bought the fight, and it's their fight. And so there isn't you, – you sign on to fight for that money at this place. And so you agree to whoever won the purse bid, then you agree and say, yep, I'm ready to go. You ready to go? Let's do it. You know, and you, may, you do it. So you can't – you don't do – like I'm not saying that at some point, technically speaking, um, you know, against the law, against the Ali Act is one thing, right? People break at, at times, right, still or they at least don't challenge it much. But the point I'm trying to make is it was a purse bid. So this whole thing about piling on like he made this huge mistake, senior, that's ridiculous because you're literally, you know, you literally have to, you can't. You can't do it. Like it's, it's illegal to do that. That's part of the, uh, that's part of it. So there is, there was none of that. There was none of that. Um, 
So you can't sit there and you can rip them if you want, but he'd be silly. Um, did I say this last week? I don't know if we got an exact. Well, it hasn't been officially now announced, but it does sound like Jermel Charlo and Brian Castano too. We know that's set, but it sounds like February 26th at the Toyota Center in Houston. Oh, another one, Chris Eubank Jr. and uh, Liam Williams. That has been postponed because something happened to, didn't something happen to Williams, I think, uh, to the January 29th. That's been rescheduled uh, because Williams ag- ag- aggravated his shoulder, but I guess it can be treated without it. So, And he'll be fit for the new date. Interesting. So January 28th, that's a little bit of news, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know what? Um, Anthony Joshua had an interview with IFL TV where he was kind of all over the place. But um, he basically, they talked about step-aside money. And he said, um, he said, you know, it's funny because part of the interview, he said, you know, it's against my ethics. It's against my code. I would never do it. Blah, 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 blah. Said all this stuff. And then in perfect Anthony Joshua mode, he turns around and says, well, hold on now. Because he has this three, there's a three-point rule system to everything, he says. Whether it's real estate or this or that, three-point rule, and it's respect. And it, I want to be known as the guy who fought everybody and all this stuff, right? But then he says, I don't completely rule out the, the step aside. He said, if the money's right, we have to look at it. But respect has a lot more value than just money. But I'll look at it. So he was like, ah, it's against my code. I would never do that. But if the money's right, I may do it. You know, that's just just like, what? I just don't think there'll be enough money in it for him to do that. I could be wrong. Uh, Unfortunately, actually, this was was, was an old tweet. But we know Ugas and Stanonius, the first bed, is scheduled for December 9th. The split will be 75-25 in Ugas' favor and Utayev is who he has to face. I really hope that they could they could just kind of figure that out. Couldn't they just just for once to make a great quality fight in Spence Ugas? Couldn't the WBA just be like just you know whatever? Just be like, hey man, we're gonna make him the super champ, and we'll have Stanonius and Butiev Butayev fight, and then the winner has to fight him or get somebody else to fight Stanonius, and then that winner fights Boutier. So that's two fights there. By that time, they'll get the full belt. You know, I understand they're reducing belts. It was their fault for having so many belts. So to take away Spence Ugas is just kind of bullshit. It's not kind of it is. And it's funny, though, because someone made a point here. Um, they're saying, well, Stanonius has never been a been a regular champ or an interim or super champ or anything. There's no title to reduce, you know. Uh, meanwhile, at middleweight, they have Murata unifying after not fighting for two years and being upgraded to super champ, ignoring Lara's request to consolidate the WBA because he was, Arislandi Lara was trying to fight Murata. And then all of a sudden, you know, and Murata hasn't fight for a long time. And then, oh, no, we'll do this. Yeah, we'll, we'll have that. It's like it still is a pick-and-choose situation here. And it just it gets a little old. It gets a little old on that one. Um, ooh, here's Eddie Renoso talking about uh, Canelo Triple G. 
He said, I would like the Triple G fight here in Mexico, either Guadalajara or Mexico City. We're going to see what he says. Golovkin fights in December against Murata. And after that, we'll see if we can work something out in May. Uh, Eddie went on to say, one of the projects that we have is to try to fight the UK or Japan or Dubai or, or China. Uh, that's what we want to do next in the career, fight around the world. So does that mean you're going to fight like in three or four straight times in different countries? I wonder how his fan base thinks about that because they're not, you know, some of them aren't going to be able to fly to Dubai to do it. Now, someone with good money, you know, of course. But, um, you, know, you know, when it comes to that, it's all about who he who he's fighting. You know what I mean? That's the way I look at it. If he wants to fight, I mean, more and more there are going to be fights going to Dubai. <laughs> That's just how it goes, right? They're going to have to figure out the timing on that stuff. That's pretty basic, right? And in fighting in the UK, that would be huge. You know, I'm sure DAZN would put up a pretty penny to have Canelo fight in DAZN, or in the UK. Because obviously DAZN just launched there. And, you know, Canelo against someone solid would bring in subs there. I mean, my guess is they bring in more subs in the UK than they brought in here. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I, I could see that bringing in a million subs pretty much. So I'm not going to say easy, but um, so we'll see. I mean, if he has this, you know, he, yeah, he could talk about fights in China and other places. Um, but with the zone, uh, you know, they may not have a lot invested here beyond Canelo. And that's true. I mean, they just re-up with Golden Boy, so that's, that's pretty big. But um, they're heavily invested in a lot of other countries, Japan and, you know, Italy. And, you know, they have some pretty big rights. They're talking about buying PT, PT Sport. You know, I don't know exactly how that's going to go because they already have contracts and, would the major soccer leagues want their sport to go to a a streaming app because that's not in the contract, you know, that we already signed? And so it would be kind of a mess to work that stuff out. But either way, they're heavily invested in a lot of different countries. So I do think some of this can happen. Now, go figure, Murata and Golovkin fighting in Japan, that's actually going to be on Amazon. <laughs> It's going to be streamed on Amazon. Go figure, right? But either way, um, so they have a lot of – I think they have like almost well, – I know it's over a million. They may have over like two million now in Japan. Don't quote me on all this stuff. I don't remember exactly in Japan. But imagine if they got that on there. But, you know, Murata has been fighting on uh, free television there for a while. So – for a little while anyway. But anyway, it really matters who he fights. That's what it comes down to. And I saw someone post this real quick. This is uh, uh, Rick Morana. Um, uh, uh, let me see. Virgil Ortiz's manager, right? And we know Virgil Ortiz. Did they talk about Virgil Ortiz and Avanesian, right, being called? And he said the buzz couldn't have lasted too long. He won't fight him next. If ever, uh, Rick says, I'm Arminian, and I like this fighter a lot as well. But just being honest with you, 
Crawford, Spence, Ugas, Thurman, Garcia all sit ahead late next year. So he's not going to fight this dude. He's not going to fight Avenue. So his manager, anyway, Virgil Ortiz, is not going to fight Avenue. That's what his manager posted. We'll see. His manager posted a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying. Um. Okay, this is Brad, man. We'll go a boxing Twitter segment, then we'll get out of here. I'll keep it short, guys. Notice it. Oh, notice. This is Brad, man. Notice the disturbing trend. Fighters get to a certain point, high six figures, and want to save money. The first person hit is the most important person, the trainer. If he was there to take 10% of your thousand, then let him take 10% of the mill. He got you there. Karma is a patient gangster. He never misses. Um, that's fair. You know what I mean? That is fair. Uh, will Floyd and Heyman replace Cruz last minute, PBC style, because of the current vibes? What? Oh, are they? So they're saying they're going to, so PBC is afraid to fight Cruz, so they're going to replace them last minute, PBC style, because remember, Spence actually did uh, tear his retina. That was fake, and they replaced it with Ugas, you know, that type of thing. I'm actually happy they got a legit – I like this fight better than Rowley, uh, but because of the vibes, I think they're talking about um, Lopez losing so they get feet or something, um, whatever. <laughs> um, don't know how the Crawford-Porter fight convinces you or makes you doubt he beat Spence. It was a 50-50 before. It's still a 50-50 now. Um, I don't, yeah, when you when you either have Porter up 5-4 or Crawford up 5-4 going to the 10th, that's the most rounds anybody's won off of him. So I agree. He stopped him. He should get a lot of credit for that. But I saw some other stuff that fundamentally sound behind a jab bigger puncher that Spence can do that could cause some major problems. So I've always leaned barely Crawford because of the versatility. But that was the first time we got to see him in with that high a level of fighter. And he lost a fair amount of rounds. Now he didn't lose the fight. He knocked him, you know, he TKO'd him. Period. He gets all the credit for that. But I saw enough in there that I thought, huh, interesting. Man, Spence got a way better jab, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I, I this whole now, you know, Crawford's going to stop Spence like it's easy. I don't get that. Okay, so thanks to guys like De La Hoya and Mayweather, especially Mayweather, fighters today are more businessmen than boxers. Sad. At one did this for love and respect. Now these clowns run their careers in a ring like businessmen, and the only people uh, that truly lose is the fans. So you're saying if you add up De La Hoya and Mayweather's resume, to choose these two fighters, of course you're going to choose Floyd because a lot of people hate Floyd, but De La Hoya and Floyd, talking about they were more businessmen than boxers, do you – do you see the resume that both those guys have? 
Are you hating on him because besides Tyson, you know, since Tyson, those were the two most popular guys, Oscar and Mayweather. And I got news for you. I love Pacquiao. But those two are the most popular. So (laughs) why would you bring that up? Yeah, they're businessmen, more businessmen than boxers. Are you crazy? Especially by age. I mean, I saw some people trying to put up Haney's age compared to Mayweather and then put the record there. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And here it is. Um, age 24, age 23. Mayweather's 24. This was the zone, actually. 26-0 versus 26-0. Floyd had more knockouts, but... Uh, the first world title was 20, and it wasn't until Mayweather, 21. World titles won. So basically, kind of even them out. They were both 26-0 and 0 at, at the same age, basically. And actually, uh, Haney got his title first at, at 20 instead of 21. Look, how, look who and look how Haney got his title compared to fighting the lineal guy who had only lost Never lost at the weight. His only loss was to Oscar De La Hoya at at 135. We're talking about uh, Geraldo Hernandez. So give me a break. You're going to mention the lineal guy at 130 and compare that to Haney? This is zone doing it. I remember seeing that. And then there was a Shakur Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson is better at 23 or whatever, at this age, and Mayweather. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> it's so funny to use Oscar De La Hoya and Mayweather as, oh, it's, it's, they were, they were businessmen more than, dude, yeah, of course they were businessmen, because they created a ton of revenue, dude. You'd be a business, you better be a businessman, woman, at that point, but look at the resume, dude. And I know you're going to say, and actually someone just already did, oh, but Oscar never won the big fights. Dude, he fought Bernard Hopkins. (laughs) I thought he beat Trinidad. He fought Mosley. You could have gave him the second fight at Mosley. Like, sure, he lost to Mayweather. Pacquiao, he took an IV in the locker room and was eating a a power bar on the way into the ring. You think he was really 145? You think that was a healthy weight for him? Like, to sit there... Oscar fought so many dudes. I don't care if he lost most of them. I mean, this guy fought everyone, dude. His last fight was against a peaking Manny Pacquiao. Are you guys that silly? Like, (laughs) blame it on Mayweather and Oscar because some guys don't fight some guys and they're businessmen. Go look at their resume, guys. Get the fuck out of here. Jeez, Louis, you guys are haters, dude. Man, wow. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. Hopefully we get some bangers. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have your upper hand. So now, when, if you fight, let's say you fight for five years of